diplomatic campaign. Security has already been tightened as a precaution at several establishments. Last night, police clashed with a small number of supporters of the English Defence League in Woolwich. Two men have been arrested in connection with two separate attacks on mosques at Braintree in Essex and Gillingham in Kent. Washington has announced that four American citizens have been killed in the past four years in drone attacks targeting suspected terrorists in Yemen and Pakistan. The disclosure comes as President Obama prepares to make a speech on counter-terrorism and the drone programme. A group of MPs is demanding tougher scrutiny of police and crime commissioners to prevent maverick decision-making. The Home Affairs Select Committee say the elected commissioners are required by law to reveal certain financial data, but only a quarter of those officials have done so. The committee is now calling for a national register of PCC's interests, pay, perks and hospitality. Schools are failing in their duty to teach children to swim. That's according to the Amateur Swimming Association, who say more than half of 7 to 11-year-olds are unable to swim 25 metres unaided, and only 2% of schools deliver the government's recommended 22 hours of swimming time. Julie Johnson is a swimming coach in Luton. Some children haven't been to a pool at all. Others have maybe been on odd occasion. I think there's been a, a gradual kind of decline in the ability we see, because obviously less is done outside of school. So when they come, we're starting from scratch. In sports, Sergio Garcia says he'd like to apologise to Tiger Woods face-to-face on the eve of the PGA Championship at Wentworth. It comes after the Spaniard joked at the European Tour Awards that he'd invite Woods for a dinner of fried chicken to settle a recent dispute. Woods says Garcia's comments were wrong, hurtful and clearly inappropriate. The weather, sunny spells with the odd shower and a top temperature of 16 degrees Celsius. That's 61 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. I'm so tired, Catherine. My eyes are bleeding. <laughs> Why are you tired? I don't know. I just, I, I, str- I had a lovely two-hour doze yesterday and woke up at half five and thought, well, that's it. That's my nighttime sleep gone. It wasn't. I slept fantastically. I just couldn't get up this morning, Catherine. Too much sleep. What? You can have too much sleep. <laughs> You're silly. Too much sleep. Never heard such nonsense. It's not even possible. I am. I'm really tired this morning. You know why, don't you? 40 in a little over two weeks. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's catching up. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, obviously, the uh, leading story of the d- day will be the uh, attack in Woolwich. We'll be getting the latest on that throughout the morning. Yesterday, ITV was the first channel to show the footage of one of the alleged attackers trying to justify his actions. It was very shocking to see. I retweeted it, and most of today's papers have taken stills from it. But in the cold light of morning, I'm asking, should that video have been shown? Schools are failing in their duty to teach children how to swim. That's according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. But is it down to schools? Whose responsibility is it to teach our kids to swim? And police crime commissioners, MPs say there needs to be a stronger scrutiny of the elected PCCs to prevent maverick decision-making. We'll be hearing both sides of the issue later. You can uh, get in touch in various ways. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text, 3CR. And you can give me a phone call. Look, the lines are empty. It's four minutes past six, for goodness sakes. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The government's emergency response committee, COBRA, will reconvene this morning after a man thought to be a soldier was hacked to death near an army barracks in south-east London. Two men have been arrested and are under armed guard in hospital. Our reporter, Paul Scoynes, is with me. Paul, for those who missed it or may have missed some of it, remind us what happened yesterday. Well, Ian, uh, it was around 20 past two when uh, police in London were called to what what they called at the time a frenzied machete attack in Woolwich, south-east London, uh, which one man... Uh, was reported to be a soldier who died and uh, the incident was very quickly treated by the government uh, as a suspected terrorist attack. The reports uh, suggested that a a man was attacked in the street by two individuals who were later then shot by officers but not killed. Um, And and video footage very quickly emerged showing a a man, and he's on the front pages of all of uh, the the national newspapers this morning, um, wielding a... Uh, bloodied weapon and and making political statements and uh, it was it was very very quick that that it was reported from senior Whitehall sources that these were uh, uh, Islamist um, statements. Uh, the Home Secretary Theresa May chaired a meeting of Cobra, uh, which is the government's emergency response committee, and it uh, it contains. Um, the security services, the police, and uh, and she described that as a, a, a the attack. Sorry, as a, a sickening and barbaric. Um, one of the attackers, as we say, was was filmed by a passerby and very calmly explaining that he'd uh, kill, carried out the killing because British soldiers, he said, were killing Muslims every day. Uh, he referred to his country, didn't he? Which, from his accent, I would judge was South London. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I, we, we don't know very much. About, no. Uh, in fact, the names of of, of uh, none of the people involved in this have been released i'm sure that they uh, are known but uh, well, they're on the front pages of all the papers so people so will be uh, recognizing them i'm sure the uh, the chief inspector uh, of the uh, metropolitan police duncan slade explained what happened uh, in this clip there was some uh, a group of individuals who gathered outside a pub on this borough there were some sporadic incidents of disorder which has resulted in that group's the numbers swelling, ending up at our location here. The police officers that you see have then been deployed to that from across London. We've ended up putting a small group of officers around them and then seeking their cooperation to leave the area. Now, the... Uh, the, 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 the Prime, Prime Minister was in France, wasn't he, for, yes. for a very short visit, it he's, turned he's out. He's come back. He was due to um, talk to President Hollande of France um, uh, over a number of different issues, but very quickly it was, it was clear, just as he was arriving into Paris, uh, what was happening, and he described the killing as appalling, uh, but he said that the country wouldn't be cowed by such attacks. And he, he also then will ha- return later uh, last night, and he will chair a, a meeting of COBRA this morning, uh, which is, of course, as, as I say, the, the government briefing office. And, and he said that Britain wouldn't buckle from the attack. It is the most appalling crime. We obviously are urgently seeking, and the police are urgently seeking, the full facts about this case, but there are strong indications that it is a terrorist incident. Two people at the scene of the murder were wounded by the police and they are being treated as suspects. The Home Secretary is chairing COBRA tonight to bring together the police, the security services, all of the agencies so that we gather every piece of information that we can. The police and the security services in the UK will get all of the support that they need to deal with this or indeed with any other incident. I'll be returning to London later tonight so that I can chair a COBRA meeting again in the morning to make sure that we have all of the facts of this case. Tonight, our thoughts should be with the victim, with their family, with their friends. People across Britain, people in every community, 
I believe, will utterly condemn this attack. We have had these sorts of attacks before in our country, and we never buckle in the face of them. Security around military bases as a result of uh, this attack has been tightened. Well, the heightened security around military bases, mm. uh, 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 lots of police on the streets and on the public transport yesterday. What else can the security services do? Well, uh, according to the BBC's security correspondent, Frank Gardner, he says that one of the priorities for those who are now investigating this attack is to decide whether or not it is uh, a so-called lone wolf attack, those sort of uh, single people who are, uh, you heard that, that, that phrase, clean skins, used quite a lot yesterday, people who aren't necessarily known to the security services but maybe are acting under inspiration from, uh, from groups like Al-Qaeda for example. Well Al-Qaeda it's often said oh this Al-Qaeda group we need to get rid of it. You can't, it's kind of a franchise isn't it? It's, it's, it's a way of thinking as opposed to a, a, an organised army. Abs- <clears throat> absolutely and, and this is what the investigators will now be looking to see you know when they potentially I would imagine I mean I understand that the, uh, the men are wounded they're not in a critical uh, condition. They are in a serious condition, I understand, but they are not. Uh, you know, these people will be able to be questioned at some point, and that is what the security services will be now, looking to see. Very quickly, because we are running out of time. But we, we mentioned um, the, uh, uh, the alleged attacker mm. uh, yesterday who addressed the camera. We've got a clip from what that gentleman um, was saying. So this is a little bit of the audio from the video footage that was taken of the. Uh, Nope, that was that was it. Was I think, that yeah, that was it. Don't worry. No, I shall just uh, scoop that down. That's quite all right. So this is a little bit of the audio from uh, the alleged attacker yesterday. I apologise that women had to witness this today, but in our land, our women have to see the same. You people will never be safe. Remove your government. They don't care about you. So that's uh, one of the gentlemen who's uh, alleged to have been involved in the attack and, yesterday. And the video, I mean, the, the, that was a short clip. The, 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 I mean, it, it, ITV showed it first. It was, um, it, you know, extremely graphic in terms of the the imagery on that video yeah um and uh you know other in- news institutions then started following on the bbc started to show put to it as well although not as much as the itv showed and uh, he went on to say some other things about uh, islam as well which i should say first uh, you know that the muslim council of britain has absolutely condemned this attack yes and has said it is completely un-islamic and uh, and various sources have also come and out i think any right-minded thing. person would realize this Everyone is not representative of the muslim that, community of I'm Absolutely. sure that most people think that. Paul Scoynes, thank you very much indeed. Uh, you heard a little clip of the gentleman from the uh, the video that was shown on uh, ITV. Bits were shown on Channel 4 and BBC. I retweeted it. I kind of regret retweeting it uh, this morning. I woke up with, with a slightly heavy heart that I did. Well, if you saw that video, and it was very shocking, do you think that video of that gentleman should have been shown on television last night? 
Well, on uh, Twitter, two varying uh, ideas on whether that video should have been shown already. John McCaskill says, no, it was too soon for real editorial review. Sometimes the news should not just be a conduit YouTube style for material. Simon Smith says, no, you should not regret tweeting it. News is news. It's more distasteful that ITV put the exclusive flash on it. Well, if you saw that video last night, that gentleman with blood on his hands, very shocking, very chilling. Should that video have been shown on the news last night? 08459 455 555. We'll discuss that and more. But here's James Worley with the latest travel. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much. The motorway's looking OK. The M1 on camera, not bad at all. No problems reported on the M25. Through the roadworks at the moment, so it appears to be fine between 23, the A1M, rounds 25 at Enfield. Uh, using the tubes into London, well, there are minor delays on the Metropolitan Line between Wembley Park and Oldgate. It's because of a signal failure at Neasden. Uh, no problems reported for trains in and out of Euston if you're heading into London this morning. James Wally, BBC Three Counters Radio. James, thanks very much. Right, 6.16, it's Thursday the 23rd of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. David Cameron will chair a meeting of the government's emergency committee, COBRA, this morning following the murder of a man thought to be a soldier in Woolwich. Last night, police clashed with a small number of supporters of the English Defence League near the scene of the incident. In sport, the PGA Championship at Wentworth starts today with all uh, 12 of Europe's victorious Ryder Cup team in the field. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks. Sunny spells with the odd shower and a top temperature of 16 degrees. Now, coming up, schools are failing in their duty to teach kids how to swim. That's according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. But is it really down to schools? Whose responsibility is it to teach your kids to swim? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tonight, there's live rugby union commentary in Three Counties Sport. And now Bedford driving. Now the crowd at last is uh, waking up here. Bedford play the first leg of their championship playoff final against Newcastle. Ransom Follow the Blues at Goldington Road. Three Counties Sports, tonight from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Can your kids... Thank you. Can your kids swim? And at what age did they learn to swim? My boy's uh, eldest is three. Uh, he had swimming lessons when he was a baby. He was more for us, really. He didn't learn anything from it. Uh, and he's having lessons now. And he can swim with floats... If he's got his armbands on and his floats, he can swim. I saw him swim on his own with the, the, the floats and things for the first time three weeks ago. And he's in the pool with his mum. He's going, Mama, don't let go, don't let go. And then when he realised she had let go and he was swimming, oh, his face was a picture. Oh, it was wonderful. His big grin on his face. Well, whose responsibility is it to teach your kids to swim? Schools are failing in their duty. That's according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. It found that more than half of children, and this is incredible, more than half of children aged 7 to 11 in Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire can't swim 25 metres unaided. That's no distance at all. That's terrifying. Can your kids swim? Well, we sent our reporter Sophie Solaria to Luton's Inspire Centre to speak to swimming teacher Julie Johnson about her role. I think there's been a, a gradual kind of decline in the ability we see 
because obviously less is done outside of school so when they come we're starting from scratch large numbers of non-swimmers so when you say non-swimmers have they seen a pool before uh, some children haven't some children haven't been to a pool at all others have maybe been on odd occasion but large numbers have never never visited a pool at all where do you start from basics trying to gain some confidence in the water but just being able to move around walking get used to, to moving around does that surprise you that they can't swim and they haven't in fact even seen a swimming pool at age seven uh, well we're kind of used to it now whose responsibility do you see it to teach children to swim is it yours from the age of seven i think ultimately it's a, a parent's responsibility but schools play a part in that can you fathom why a parent wouldn't teach their child to swim busier lives maybe priorities have changed over the years how long would it take for a child to learn how to swim 25 meters uh, that's difficult to say because everybody would learn a, a, a different rate it's just like learning anything else that's new but if they only do six weeks that's only six half an hour lessons not a great deal of time to achieve anything at the end what can you achieve in six half an hour lessons we were talking about three hours, very little, really. So essentially, it is important for kids to get into a pool outside of school time? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's a life skill. Right? You have the opportunity to use it throughout your life. Safety aspect, social aspect. There's lots of reasons to learn to swim and continue it. That's the opinion from the professional, but do parents in Dunstable agree with her? Whose responsibility is it to teach our kids to swim? parents obviously like to teach them everything else in life did you send your kiddies to learn to swim no i learned them you taught them how to swim yeah how did you do that getting in the pool with them and showing them how to swim how important is that very important for them especially when you go into the sea resorts so they know how to manage the water themselves would it surprise you to hear that half of seven-year-olds don't know how to swim I think that's disgusting, really. Parents should take them to the swimming pools or book them lessons. We've got our girls into swimming since they were two and a half to three years ago. But confidence-wise, I think some children just take to water, some don't. Can I ask whose responsibility is it to teach a child how to swim? Parents, Parents if they know how to swim. And if they don't, like he does, but I don't. So I used to take them to lessons. And you don't know how to swim? No. How old are you? 37 this year. Does that not worry you that you can't does, swim? Yeah. Why can't you swim? I was born and brought up in India, so where I came from, swimming wasn't really, you know, we didn't have so many swimming pools and things. So I do get into the water now with them, but I'm really terrified of going. Is yeah. that why you're so keen to teach your yes, children? Yes, yes. Well, that's our reporter, Sophie uh, Salaria, there. Uh, uh, whose responsibility is it to teach your kids to swim? I'll be honest. It's your responsibility, isn't it? I had swimming lessons at school. I hated them. I hated the teacher. He was a bully. Horrible man. Horrible man. It was, and it was awful in this horrible grotty pool. It was disgusting. Hated it. But I could swim before that anyway. I'd had lessons as a little boy. And I can swim. I'm not a particularly confident swimmer. Not an especially strong swimmer. I don't like going underwater. But I can do it. I, could, I can swim. <clears throat> uh, and and it, my parents made a big thing of taking me swimming when I was a little boy. And my mum my, my teaching me to swim. So if you can't afford lessons. If you can afford lessons. Brilliant. If you can't afford lessons. You can afford to go swimming once a week. Once a fortnight. Get your kids in the pool.
get them some armbands. Of course you can. Can't you? Whose responsibility is it to teach your kids how to swim? 08459 455 555. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. And uh, before we play the next record, just uh, ju- this just in on the situation last night. Senior Whitehall sources have confirmed that the man killed in Woolwich in South East London yesterday was a member of the armed forces. We, we, we suspected that was probably the case. But that's now been confirmed. <laughs> Three Counties Radio. Pretty grim 
grim stuff yesterday, wasn't it, huh? Should that video have been shown, the uh, gentleman with the soiled hands? It was, it was chilling. Chilling is the only word I can think of, really. Uh, Matt Wilde says, yes, it should have been shown. People needed to see just how bad it was and to see what has become of this so-called Great Britain country. Am I in trouble for using the word gentleman? I don't know what else to call him. I don't want to call him a terrorist because we don't know it's a terrorist. Um, chap, man... Listen, if you're moaning because I'm using the word gentleman, you're moaning at the wrong person. Sorry about that, but if that's what you've called in about, tough. Uh, Scott on Twitter says, The fact that he wanted everyone to see the video was reason enough not to show it. How does that make you feel? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. And uh, a few comments on Facebook as well. This really has... um Got you going. Uh, Drake says, my gut feeling is no. However, I cannot think of a reason why not. So, yes. And that's kind of... That's the the problem, isn't it? That's the paradox. Gut feeling is no, but can't think of why not. Joni says, no, especially not at tea time when families were watching. It also seemed disrespectful to show the victim's body in the background. Just horrific. Uh, and Dave says, if anyone complains, it was not good to show the video. There was a warning given, and they should have turned over for a couple of minutes. Well, you can go onto Facebook and have your say. You can argue with each other. It's nice. Play nice. Play nice. Um, but, but do uh, have an argument about it. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. One more. James says, yes, people's eyes need to be opened on how barbaric and evil these two men are. I'm praying that the death penalty is brought back for crimes like this. Well, uh, it won't be James, but I can understand your frustration. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Things moving quite well on the roads at the present time across the three counties. Things are looking good on the M25, although traffic is building from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield Junction 26 to 25. Roadworks in Berkhamstead through until the end of this week. They're doing works along Kings Road, the A416 at the junction with Ashlands Road. And there are still temporary lights up on the A603 in Willington for water main work near Willington Road. On the trains, no major problems or delays, but if you're heading into London, the Metropolitan Line tube runs with minor delays between Wembley Park and Aldgate. This is because of a signal failure at Neasden. At the minute, there is a good service, though, on the rest of the line. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much indeed. 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. We'll talk about swimming, we'll talk about the events yesterday and PCCs after the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 6.30, the headline. Senior Whitehall serv- sources have confirmed that the man killed in Woolwich, south-east London, yesterday was a member of the armed forces. Last night, police clashed with a small number of supporters of the English Defence League near the scene of the incident. And Washington has acknowledged that four American citizens have been killed in the past four years in drone attacks targeting suspected terrorists in Yemen and Pakistan. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford Blues have named winger James Stevenson in their side for tonight's championship playoff f- final first leg against Newcastle. Stevenson replaces Josh Bassett, who has an infection for the match at Goldington Road, which you can hear live on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford's director of rugby, Mike Reyes, says reaching the finals down to the players' hard work. The, the core of what we're about here is player, player development and, and, and the, the people. Mm. Uh, uh, 
you know within the group and I just just enjoy seeing them go out and express themselves and um, but mo- as much as that they work hard for each other. Watford midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar says the mood in the camp is calm ahead of Bank Holiday Monday's championship playoff final against Crystal Palace. Chalabar will play in central midfield at Wembley and is excited at the prospect. There's been a buzz around the place. All the lads are looking forward to it. All the coaching staff are looking forward to it and I think all the fans are looking forward to it as well. I'm really excited. I've been getting little, you know, little images in my head of what it'd be like to win at Wembley and, and um, I think... To be honest, I don't really think it'll be anything that, that should phase anyone. I think it should just be more exciting. The PGA Championship at Wentworth starts today with all 12 of Europe's victorious Ryder Cup team in the field. However, the build-up of the tournament has been dominated by comments made by Sergio Garcia towards Tiger Woods. Garcia says he's unreservedly sorry and wants to apologise in person to the world number one. Rory McIlroy and Graham McDowell tee off with Ryder Cup teammate Paul Laurie at 8.25 this morning. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 7. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, two kind of completely opposing stories this morning are leading the thing. I can't think of a better way to phrase it. Um, David Cameron is to chair a meeting of the government's emergency committee this morning in the wake of the uh, brutal killing that's being labelled as a terrorist killing of a soldier in South London. It's now been confirmed the gentleman was a a soldier. We'll hear the latest on that in a few minutes, but I'm asking this morning the video, and if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. The video of the chap approaching the camera with uh, stained hands, carrying a weapon, uh, addressing the camera. Should that have been shown on the television last night? I tweeted it, and this morning I kind of regretted tweeting it. Should that video have been shown? And then on the other end of the spectrum, schools are apparently failing in their duty to teach children how to swim. That's according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. But is it really down to schools? Whose responsibility is it to teach your kids to swim? 08459 455 555. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Or you can send me a text. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on it. Otherwise, I don't read it out. No 
Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning. Should that video have been shown last night? The chat with the uh, the bloodied hands addressing the camera after the, well, the brutal events of, of Woolwich. I don't know. I don't know. I retweeted it and I woke up this morning thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't shown that. I wish I hadn't seen that, to be honest. What do you think? Should that video have been shown on television? 08459... Four double five five double five. Well, it's it's the uh, big story of the day, if it's not too flippant to call it that. And David Cameron is to chair a meeting of the government's emergency committee this morning in the wake of the brutal killing of a soldier in South London. The man was hacked to death in broad daylight near his barracks in Woolwich in apparent retaliation for the killing of Muslims by British troops in Afghanistan. Two suspects are under armed guard in hospital after being shot by police. I'm joined now by political correspondent Paul Rowley. Paul, has this come as a shock to the government? As a brutal act, Ian, this has appalled politicians of all parties, as it has with 
with members of the public, but the security services have always been aware of the potential for this type of killing. The real surprise, I suppose, is there haven't been more of them, uh, thankfully, because about 30 terrorist plots have been thwarted in the UK in the last decade. But it's the first terrorist killing of its kind on the British mainland since 7-7, as it was called, on July the 7th, 2005, when 52 people were killed in central London by four Islamist extremists who killed themselves, setting off bombs on the tube network, if you remember. Mm. I think they came in from, from Luton, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, so this is a rarity. Nonetheless, the sheer brazen nature of this, effectively the, the beheading of a British soldier on a quiet South London street in, in broad daylight has shocked even the, the most hardened of observers. Well, those are the two things that I find so shocking. The fact this did happen in broad daylight in a very busy street, shoppers are walking past, and the calm response from one of the alleged gentlemen straight after. That's that's what's been so shocking for me. What is the justification for this killing? Well, you can never excuse killings like this, or indeed any killings, but it, it seems to have been carried out in the name of God, misguided as it may seem. Those responsible, as you rightly say, and we've all now seen it on TV, relatively young men, the abiding image is... is this guy speaking pretty lucidly let's be honest in a in a london accent relatively calmly trying to justify what effectively is the execution of a soldier carrying what looks to be a meat cleaver and a large knife his hands covered in blood and the body lying face down in the street behind him i took your view as well i saw this initially on commercial television i used to work in commercial broadcasting so did you uh, i didn't think the bbc would show this within a matter of half an hour we did mm. and i still feel a bit uneasy about it to be honest with you because that seems to be what they want they well, want that propaganda to be shown apparently the chap was approaching people in the street saying film me take pictures of me and film me so in some ways we are playing into their hands yeah that is the fear and that is the worry and i'm sure the security services uh, will be alarmed in a way by this i'm not sure what you do free speech or mm. what you know it is a worrying one are we following because commercial television's broadcasting it i don't know i feel very uneasy about it i mean the justification if you heard was that this is in retaliation as he put it for the killings of muslims by british soldiers presumably in afghanistan and he mentions david cameron in one of those interviews uh, uh, that he should be bringing home british forces well they are coming home uh, in the next few years anyway but the eyewitnesses who saw all this say the man as you rightly say was inviting passers-by to film him so he could explain his actions some say they heard these men say allah akbar god is great and instead of fleeing the scene ian they just waited for the police to arrive they expected to be shot which they were they weren't killed they were wounded uh, and one security expert has described this as an act of homicidal exhibitionism uh, david cameron back from france meeting senior cabinet ministers along with police and intelligence chiefs will anything change are we, we going to see more police on the streets well we will i mean certainly they set up security not just at woolwich but at all security barracks all army and naval barracks across the country there is a concern though at retaliatory action last night about 60 members of the english defense league which i think is i'm right in saying is, is based in luton unfortunately so yes it is i mean they state a demonstration there's talk about them you know demonstrating in in muslim communities now the Muslim uh, leadership of, of the, the Muslim Council of Britain have condemned this action. They're saying it's not representative of, the, of their faith. It's as a barbaric attack, as they put it. Uh, bottles were thrown last night at the police, and two mosques were attacked in separate incidents, one at Braintree in Essex, one at Gillingham in Kent. Two men have been arrested for that. David Cameron was in Europe yesterday at a summit in Brussels initially. He was on in, in Paris when this happened. He's flown back overnight. There was a meeting last night in Whitehall chaired by the Home Secretary, Theresa May. He will be there this morning at 8.45 
45 when most of the cabinet will be uh, present the foreign secretary the defense secretary i suspect uh, the mayor of london boris johnson the metropolitan police commissioner various uh, security officials as well i think the question is is this just a a random act a a, a routine thing in a way by uh, a rogue act by a couple of individuals you know or was it planned by a wider group of people that's what we don't know uh, there is also pressure now of course for there to be a recall of parliament uh, at the moment the house of commons and the house of lords aren't sitting because they're about to go into the wit recess i don't think the parliament will be recalled today it's too short a notice but maybe tomorrow because of course on monday it's a bank holiday Paul Rowley, thank you very much uh, indeed. And it, but surely in situations like this, we all need to just take a step back, do we? Having uh, extremist groups of any side, left or right, putting their foot in, how is that going to help? How is that going to make the situation any better? It can only make it worse. Picketing mosques. Do you, as, as, listening to this, do you seriously think, I'm curious, that the, the act yesterday is representative of Islam? Because they, they can't... I, I would be so surprised if people listen to this and think, well, actually, no, this, this is Islam. Yes, it's very bad. These Muslims, very, very bad. They're all the same. Does anybody, do you, listening to this right now, think that the, what happened yesterday in Woolwich is representative of Islam? 08459 455 555. Because to me, obviously, it isn't. You get fanatics in all kinds of religions. The, um, the, the chap, was it Norway, who set off the bombs and then shot people on an island? Was, was a Christian. He was doing it from a Christian perspective. But yet we don't go around protesting out. We didn't go protest outside churches, did we? The Oklahoma bomber. Uh, when was that? Ten years ago? Fifteen years ago? He was a Christian. We don't protest outside churches. So how, I'm curious. Do you think that what happened yesterday is representative of uh, Islam as a whole? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Keeping a close eye on the speed sensors and thankfully things are moving well on most of the major roads across the three counties this morning. The M1 is looking clear. No delays yet on the A1M as you head through Stevenage and past Wellin. And things looking quite good on the M40, even past the usual slow spot at High Wycombe. A5 in Dunstable maybe starting to get a little bit busy past the A505. But things on the M25 slowing just a little bit, of course. Anti-clockwise traffic is building from Waltham Abbey through to Enfield. So as you come into the roadwork section at the A10 junction. And things may be a little bit busy as well, just past Junction 20 for the A41 at Kings Langley. It's also looking maybe a little bit busy as you come down toward the M40, so definitely building on the M25 there. On the rails this morning, we've had no disruption so far. Things are still looking good. On the tubes, though, I'm afraid we have got minor delays for the Metropolitan Line once you get into London. It's between Wembley Park and Aldgate, and it's because of signal failure at Neasden. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. Speak to you in 15 minutes. Right, 6.46, it's Thursday the 23rd of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Senior Whitehall sources have confirmed the man killed in Woolwich in south-east London yesterday was a member of the armed forces. Last night, police clashed with a small number of supporters of the English Defence League near the scene of the incident. In sport, Bedford Blues have named winger James Stevenson in their side for tonight's championship playoff final first leg against Newcastle. Coming up, schools are failing in their duty to teach kids how to swim. Well, that's according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. But really, 
Whose responsibility is it to teach your children to swim? 08459 455 555. Right, let's get the weather now. Here's Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We've got some showers feeding in on that northerly breeze at the moment. Um, they're currently just heading into parts of Hertfordshire, but just about everywhere across the three counties seeing some showers through today. Otherwise, it's uh, a fairly dry and a bright start, uh, mostly across Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire at the moment, but it won't be too long before we start to see those showers get going. It'll turn cloudier through the middle of the day as well before brightening up in between the showers, that is, as we head into the afternoon. Now, rather blustery day turning really rather windy and it's feeling noticeably cooler as well temperatures only on four degrees at the moment and they're only going to rise to 10 or 11 degrees celsius later on in bletchley milton Keynes, Ellsbury, bedford and in stevenage too so that's just around the, the 50 mark in fahrenheit it's going to feel quite cold today and it will be wet for this evening's rush hour wet and windy into the early hours of tomorrow morning as well and then tomorrow just wet windy and cold it's going to feel pretty nasty i think tomorrow but at least it's looking dry for Saturday and Sunday of the bank holiday week. It's going to rain on Monday, though, isn't it? Yes, y- it is. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't getting to that bit yet. No, you weren't. You the good news. You were to, the, the good news is, it's miserable for the next few days. It might be all right on Saturday. <laughs> nice one. It will be. Thanks very much, Elizabeth. Just say after 7.30, can we be joined in the studio by Keith Vaz, the chair of the Home Affairs Select Committee, and we'll be talking more uh, about the appalling events of yesterday uh, and what happens now. Bank Holiday Monday normally means barbecues, sunshine and not doing a lot. Not here on BBC Three Counties Radio. We're at Wembley for the Championship Playoff Final. It's game on again! Watford take on Crystal Palace in possibly the richest game in football. What a goal! He's done it! Promotion to the Premier League awaits. From midday, we're live from Wembley to bring you all the build-up. And Watford will play at Wembley! The Championship Playoff Final. Watford versus Crystal Palace. Bank Holiday Monday on BBC Three Counties Radio. For God on that beautiful day Church bells rang and the champagne flowed As our friends gathered around for the wedding photo But here we are, barely five years old And our whole world's falling apart
BBC Three Counties Radio here every weekday morning between six and nine. Now, schools are failing to teach children to swim. That's according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. After speaking to parents, it found that more than half of children aged seven to 11 in Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire cannot swim 25 metres unaided. At 11? Should be able to swim at 11? Well, earlier, our reporter Sophie Solaria spoke to swimming coach Julie Johnson, who told her that not only can children not swim, many haven't even entered a pool before. I think there's been a, a gradual kind of decline in the ability we see, because obviously less is done outside of school, so when they come, we're starting from scratch. Large numbers of non-swimmers. So when you say non-swimmers, have they seen a pool before? Uh, some children haven't. Some children haven't been to a pool at all. Others have maybe been on odd occasion, but large numbers have never, never visited a pool at all. Whose responsibility do you see it to teach children to swim? I think ultimately it's a, a parent's responsibility, but schools play a part in that. How long would it take for a child to learn how to swim 25 metres? They only do six weeks. That's only six half-an-hour lessons. Not a great deal of time to achieve anything at the end. What can you achieve in six half-an-hour lessons? We were talking about three hours, very little, really. So essentially, it is important for kids to get into a pool outside of school time? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's a life skill. You have the opportunity to use it throughout your life. Safety aspect, social aspect. There's lots of reasons to learn to swim and continue it. Well, that was Sophie Solaria speaking to swimming coach Julie Johnson. Well, the Amateur Swimming Association say it's school's responsibility to teach kids to swim. We can speak now to Pauline Harrington from Luton. Pauline, who's responsible for teaching kids to swim? Um, I think it's the parents. Not the schools? No, the schools don't have time to do that. 
Why? Why? Uh, why should the pa- listen? I totally agree with you, and I, I'm surprised anyone would suggest otherwise. But some people are. Why is it the parents' responsibility, in your opinion? Um, I think it's uh, more for safety than any reason. Um, it's a life skill you get when you teach them to swim, and they can go out and enjoy themselves when something you have for life as well. Were you surprised to hear that some children have never even been in a swimming pool? Uh, not really, no. Really? Mm. That was part of growing up for me, was we go swimming every Saturday, every other Saturday, we'd either, Dad would take me and we'd get a bar of chocolate afterwards and go on the, uh, the Space Invaders, and then when we got a bit older, we'd go with our mates. Yes, yeah, I agree. Same with me. Yep, I remember standing outside Waller Street Baths in the queue up the alleyway with the pennies and we used to twiddle them around in the wall. You used to, to, used to twi- twiddle, oh, twiddle your pet. Pe- sorry, I thought for a second, Pauline. <laughs> so we're, we're, um, down at Waller Street Bars, yes. uh, um, they used to have hour sessions when right. it got crowded. Yeah. And you used to queue up um, up the alleyway, up the side of the pool. Yes. And you were twiddling you, the alleyway? Yes, yes. yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. You had pennies and you, and you sort of... Uh, wound them in the wall. They're all little holes in the wall. You yeah. taught your kids and your grandkids to swim. I did, yes. What age? Um, they were preschool. Right. They were, they were all preschool. How difficult was it? Um, it wasn't really difficult. Well, I mean, I'm a swimming teacher anyway. Right. So um, uh, it wasn't difficult because they, they wanted to go and we just had fun. thing is, if you get them in young enough... They have no fear of the water. That's they right, love the yeah. water. My little baby, who's 15, 16 months, uh, it, we took the oldest one for a swimming lesson and the other one, the, the, the baby kind of goes for, for a wander in the pool. He's got no fear. He was walking off until the water was up to his mouth. I had to grab him and pull him back. That's right, that's right. If The, the younger you get them in, the, the less fear they have. It's defi- definitely like that. And yeah. also, they love it. Kids love it. My little boy, the three-year-old, he has so much... Do you know, I'm th- he went swimming on Tuesday. I'm thinking I might take him this afternoon as well, because it's, it's one of his favourite... Are we going to the leisure pool, Dada? Not today, no. But it's one of his favourite things. They really enjoy it, don't they? They do, they do, because they can mess about and do what they want, can't they? Yeah, splash Splashing dad. water is, yeah. is lovely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it true you were the first and last person to swim a length at Warden Swimming Pool in Luton? Yes. And the first one in Inspire. How did you manage that? Were you, were you tw- in, in the alleyway twiddling your penny? <laughs> that was at Waller Street. I right. was the last one in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you manage to swing that, Pauline? I, I was just asked. I, I was oh. the last one in Waller Street baths um, when that closed in 1965. Yep. And uh, um, I worked at, at the pool and I was the first one in the new one at Wall- uh, Bath Road. And... They asked me to swim the last length in Bath Road. Well, Pauline, listen, it's lovely I'm, to... I'm still a member of the swimming club, you see. There you so. go, fantastic. It's lovely to talk to yeah. you this morning. Well done for teaching your kids and your grandkids uh, to swim. That's Pauline Harrington from Luton. It is a parent's responsibility, isn't it? You can't blame it on the schools. I used to hate my swimming lessons at school. It was... I think we did it for a term, and it was once a week or once every other week in a horrible pool. Lots of you having your say about this at facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Gary says, fish live in water, we live on land. Why do you have to swim? It's fun! It's fun! And supposing you fell out of an aeroplane into the sea? You'd be regretting it then, wouldn't you? Huh, Gary? Mark says, it's the parents. I'm a swimming teacher myself. It's solely up to the parents to guide them through life and teach them life skills such as this. 08459 455555 
Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three oh. Counties Radio. Oh, I've, I've gone to the travel and it turns out that Adam has decided not to join us for the travel. What a part-timer. Well, listen, Adam, all I'll say is, remember what happened to Sophie Tyler? That's all I'll say. He's chosen not... Anyway, listen, what's happening is there's some stuff on the roads. Trains are probably OK at this time in the morning. The M1 might be starting to get a little bit busy. And the M25... Uh, I don't know. You know, these things happen. We'll, we'll, we'll find Adam. We'll hunt him down. We'll give him a sound thrashing. We'll certainly put him in his place and we'll make sure that, that he's in place by uh, 7.15 to give you the latest on uh, the roads and the trains. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you've spotted anything on the roads that we should be talking about... Oh, Adam could dial in now. Adam! Adam! Yeah, I'm here. You're, I'm too, here. you're too late. Oh, yeah. You've just missed... No, read Arian, you're a minute late. You've just missed I'm your window. Sorry. Well, I can say that the M25's a bit slow from the M1. I've done that. It. I've done that. That's about it. Come back in 15 minutes, young man. All right, well, that's it. That's I'm going to give you a on. sound thrashing next time I see you. Oh, no. Remember what happened to Sophie. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk more about what happened yesterday after the news with Catherine on FM, AM, online, and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's seven o'clock. The headlines. Woolwich victim was a serviceman. Police Commissioner Finance in the spotlight and claims schools are failing to teach children to swim. BBC Three Counties Radio. Senior Whitehall sur- sources have confirmed that the man killed in Woolwich, South East London yesterday, was a member of the armed forces. The victim was hacked to death in the street yesterday afternoon by suspected Islamist extremists. One man, his hands covered in blood, was filmed by a passerby saying he'd carried out the attack because British soldiers were killing Muslims every day. Bernando reports from the scene of the attack. The two suspects spent the night under police guard in separate hospitals. One is understood to be in a serious condition. At the scene of the killing on the South Circular Road in London, just outside Woolwich Military Barracks, forensic work continued. In the early hours, a tow truck removed a vehicle hidden beneath a red canopy. It's thought the victim was struck by a car before being attacked by two men armed with meat cleavers, knives and a handgun. The two attackers were then shot by armed officer the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, has urged people to remain calm while detectives investigate the crime. Supporters of the far-right group, the English Defence League, gathered in Woolwich last night and threw bottles at police. Two men were arrested in Braintree in Essex and Gillingham in Kent on suspicion of attacking mosques. Muslim organisations have strongly condemned the killing in Woolwich. Ibrahim Mogra is from the Muslim Council of Britain. It's been a terrible shock to see these scenes on Uh, our television screens and to hear the news of this absolutely abhorrent sickening savage and brutal attack on this young um, young man on the streets of london it's very difficult to comprehend how these people can even try to justify their actions David Cameron has returned early from a visit to France in order to coordinate the coalition's response to the attack. He'll take charge of a meeting of the government's crisis committee in Downing Street later this morning. In other news, a group of MPs is demanding tougher scrutiny of police and crime commissioners to prevent maverick decision-making. The Home Affairs Select Committee says the elected commissioners are required by law to reveal certain financial data, but only a quarter of the officials have done so. Schools are failing in their duty to teach children to swim. That's according to the Amateur Swimming Association, who say that more than half of 7 to 11-year-olds are unable to swim 25 metres unaided, and only 2% of schools deliver the government's recommended 22 hours of swimming time.
In sport, at last night's Rugby Players Association Awards, Wasps wing Christian Way took the double, becoming the first person to win both the Players Player of the Year and the Young Player of the Year. Joe Launchbury was the, named the England Player of the Year, while Emily Scarrett was named England Women's Player of the Year. The weather cloudy and cold with scattered showers and a top temperature of 11 degrees Celsius, that's 52 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. You've got kids, haven't you? I have, the, yes. The, the girl ones. Yeah. Can I've they swim? Two. After a fashion. I did start um, swimming lessons with my now four-year-old before she started school, when yeah. we had the time in the afternoons. Yeah. Um, but she was too young to really understand the commands. And didn't the, like the commands. <laughs> yeah, what, no, what? they don't pay attention to teaching. No, um, and she was freezing cold, so she she mostly shivered her way through those lessons. And I do feel terribly guilty about not continuing now. Um, she's so tired when she comes out of school. She's only four. Maybe next year. Wait, whoa, hang on a second. What? A, you know those tiger mums you get in China? You should be a tiger <laughs> mum. Who, who cares if she's tired? What, forcing Take, her on. Yeah, for, force her to go swimming and, and learn the commands. I don't know what commands are for swimming. Make her learn the commands. Stretch and scoop. Stretch and scoop. <laughs> And then, then she should be off learning a foreign language, and then she should be cleaning the car. Oh, oh she speaks Spanish. Oh, well, there you go. It's very posh. Thank you. <laughs> morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Four minutes past seven. Lots to talk about. Very diverse this morning. Lots of you having your say on Facebook. Do give me a call as well. It'd be nice to talk to you and discuss some of this. Things we've got coming up in the next hour going to be keeping you up to date on the developments following the appalling attack in Woolwich. Yesterday, ITV was the first channel to show the footage of one of the alleged attackers trying to justify his actions. Well, two questions. Should that video have been shown? 08459 I I retweeted it. I kind of regret it. Regret it. And do you think that, the, that these, uh, these chaps yesterday represent Islam? Is there anybody out there that thinks oh, the, the Islam is bad because of these two men? This is what Islam is all about. 08459 455 555. Also this morning, schools are failing in their duty to teach children how to swim. That's according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. But is it down to schools? Whose responsibility is it to teach your children to swim? And PCCs. MPs say there needs to be stronger scrutiny of elected police commissioners to prevent maverick decision-making. We'll hear both sides of the issue. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR 81333 Start your text 3CR Put your name on please Or you can give me a call It's the best way 08459 455 555 Across beds, hearts and bucks This is BBC Three Counties Radio The government's emergency response committee, COBRA, will reconvene this morning after a soldier was hacked to death near an army barracks in south-east London. The Prime Minister cut short a visit to Paris last night to return to the UK. I've been briefed by the Home Secretary about this absolutely sickening attack in Woolwich in London. It is the most appalling crime. People across Britain, people in every community, I believe, will utterly condemn this attack. We have had these sorts of attacks before in our country and we never buckle in the face of them. Well, two men have been arrested and are under armed guard in hospital. The attack in Woolwich is being investigated by counter-terrorism police. One man, his hands covered in blood, was filmed by passers-by saying he'd carried out the killing because British soldiers were killing Muslims every day. He also spoke about in his country, although he spoke with a very strong South London accent. 
Well, most of us can picture the site where this dreadful incident happened because the footage of what took place yesterday afternoon has been seen by millions of people. ITV showed it first, uh, then I think Channel 4, and then the BBC in a slightly uh, abridged version. I retweeted it, regretted it this morning. The question is, should that video have been shown. Lots of you having your say on Facebook. You can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about. Justin, whereabouts are you? Hello, Ian. I'm in Luton this morning. I saw the video last night. I mean, clearly, highly offensive images. But I think what annoyed me last night as well was the fact that ICV were flagging this up as an exclusive. I yes. think that, again, was, was very uncomfortable. When I just thought that was wrong. When you saw the video, Justin, hmm. I got an email saying, oh, you must see this. It's horrific. Uh, and maybe I was being ghoulish, I don't know. I watched it. I, I, I was chilled. Like, yep. Literally, that's the only word I can use to describe it. How did you feel watching it? Well, I felt horrendous. I think if I hadn't have worked in the media, I certainly would have been turning that off because I knew that, of course, us and everybody else would be talking about that this morning, so I had to watch it. But mm. I thought it was appalling, and also the time as well. You know, after 6 o'clock at night, yeah. um, children probably watching that with their families, I just thought that the whole thing was wrong. But I've been in Luton this morning asking people whether that video was too graphic to be shown on TV, and this is what people have had to say. Pauline, you saw the video on TV last night. You just bought your newspaper. The images are on the front page of the paper as well. Should that video have been shown on no, TV? No, no way. No, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. All blood on his hands. No. So when you saw that last night, I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at your face now. You, you, yeah. You're still shaking up now, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, because I've seen it again this morning. Every time you turn the TV on, they show you the same thing. So it was just too graphic, it should yeah, not have been shown. Yeah, it should not have been shown, no. It's horrible. John, you saw the video. Should that have been shown on TV? Yes, because people have to see things like that. Otherwise they don't understand. Rose, you saw the video on TV last night. Should that have been shown? No. Not as why? far as children go. Too early. Late in the evening, adults have to learn to deal with these things. It's part of life. Fair enough. But too early because of the children. But taking children out of the equation, when you saw that for the first time last night, it was relatively early as well. How did it make you feel? Numb at first, then I thought my relatives in the service, and I thought, not again. And then I started thinking about it, and regardless of whether they're British, wherever they come from, something like that is done, they deserve the full force of the law, and take it from there. So the video was incredibly graphic, but do you think that video should have been shown on television last night? Yeah, everyone's got the right to know what's going on. It's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, even if it was... Just after six o'clock, children could have been watching. Everyone still deserves the right to know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, Luton's a bad place. London's a bad place. Everyone's got the right to know what's going on, haven't they? And a final word for yourself, sir. Very simply, should this video have been shown on TV last night? In reality-wise, no chance. Too many youngsters about watching this, and you've got to be aware it might be a copycat next time doing it again. But for us Muslim communities, we don't want this. It makes us look bad concerns over for safety as a taxi driver for 15 years. Do I have to look my back every time now? Mm. I hope there's no retaliating. I got a message last night from the, one of my mates about the EDL people that they're gathering outside every town and city in UK. But that, doesn't, that ain't going to prove nothing at the end of the day. Mm. So I mean, how did it make you feel when you saw that on TV? You rushed home to watch it last night because everyone was talking about it. When you saw it, you, your initial emotions, tell us how you felt as a, as a member of the Muslim community. I got here we go again put our heads down in shame because at the end of the day these guys they don't look Muslims to me they're just thugs street thugs you know what I mean they got no beard they don't wear Muslim clothes they don't preach properly see the bottom line is everybody's got to find out where these people came from
the police needs to get. Mm. You know, what I mean, are there embarrassments to your community as far as of your? Of course, there's an embarrassment because at the end of the last two months, we had what nearly five, six shootings in Luton. We're more concerned about that than what these people are doing in East London. Now, there's been a lot of uh, um, criticism of various news agencies for linking this to Islam. The, the reason it's been done is, is the uh, the chap on the video mentions uh, Muslims, and also uh, we've heard from senior Whitehall sources that um, during the attack, both men were shouting Allah Akbar, God is great. So that's why the, the connection is being made. I know that a lot of people on Twitter were, were furious last night, and uh, there's been widespread condemnation of what happened, including from the British, uh, from various British Muslim community leaders. We can speak now to Akbar Dad Khan, who's from Building Bridges in Luton. Morning, Akbar. Oh, good morning, Ian. What do, what do you make of last night's attack? Um, a very sad uh, uh, incident where uh, a person lost his life, and uh, this morning uh, and since uh, yesterday evening, uh, our thoughts are with the uh, with the family of the deceased and the friends and the colleagues. When um, uh, I don't know if you saw the video that we've been discussing, but when the the chap in it um, said he was doing this because Muslims are being killed in his country, he's doing this in the name of your religion, Akbar. How does that make you feel? Um, very uncomfortable. Um, uh, and uh, and uh, whatever this person has said. Uh, it, it, He's sending out sort of conflicting um, messages. Uh, I, do, I don't know what does he mean, uh, our country. Uh, I don't know about uh, his uh, uh, background, where, where he was born, where he was brought up, uh, and uh, what is his status in this country? Uh, is he a British citizen? Is he a visitor? Uh, uh, are somebody with uh, leave to remain here permanently? In terms, in terms of doing it in the name of your religion specifically, What's your reaction to that? Well, we, uh, our, our religion uh, is a peaceful religion, and uh, we have no association with uh, um, with violence and extremism. Uh, I mean, these are two individuals, uh, and it's a criminal act by them, and uh, they should be, you know, uh, punished uh, according to the law. Uh, it it brings a bad name to uh, otherwise uh, uh, worldwide. Uh, Islamic religion, and uh, which is a religion of peace, and it brings uh, shame to the community um, in this country. You say it's a religion of peace, uh, uh, and there are people listening to this and, and commenting on Facebook now who, who don't see that peace. They see um, uh, uh, attacks... Uh, like yesterday, they see other uh, uh, atrocities. I'm, I'm hesitating calling last night a terrorist attack. I don't quite know what that means, but they see uh, people who claim to be Muslims doing violent things. Where it, where is the peace? How would you explain how peaceful it is to those people? Well, um, uh, if if some indiv individual decides to be uh, to become a violent person and go out and uh, kill people, innocent people in the in the street uh, in the name of Islam, then Islam doesn't have any association with those uh, with, with, with such individuals, and and uh, these individuals don't reflect Islam and don't represent Islam. The English, uh, sorry to interrupt, the English Defence League, uh, you probably heard, went to Woolwich last night, and I believe a couple of mosques may have been attacked as well. How do you see your role now as part of building bridges? Well, um, 
we uh, we over last decade or so have promoted dialogue between the communities and uh, are good for uh, tolerance and uh, and uh, accommodation with each with each other edl should refrain from uh, provocative activity in, in in that part of world and uh, i would hope that uh, authorities will uh, will be looking uh, Uh, over what's happening and what's emerging but at the same time i have argued uh, over over a long period that uh, we need to control uh, extremism in this country and uh, whenever an incident of this nature happens the government ministers and everybody else around the argument gets into an overdrive situation and then after a week or so we all forget what happened and move on to other, other other things it's it's it is a continuing situation and we need to control by taking various steps um, such as controlling the entry uh, of uh, of uh, uh, preachers of hate into this country and employment of uh, preachers of hate in this country Agpa, we're running out of time final final question uh, to you this morning mm. are you worried are pe- uh, members of the muslim community in luton worried about possible retaliation uh, we we are fearful of that and hopefully um, the authorities uh, will keep an eye on things and uh, uh, i would urge my uh, my own community to remain calm and uh, cooperate with uh, with authorities akbar dadkan from building bridges in luton thank you very much uh, well two things should that video have been shown last night on the news 08459455555 we were doing what they wanted us to do we were falling for their trick, weren't we? And also, listening to this now, do you think that Islam is to blame for what happened last night? Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Right, fingers crossed he's turned up. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I could just go, but I think I think I will stay. Thank you very M25. much, Adam. Thank you. M- Appreciate it. It's, it's only the M25 that's busy at the minute. Now, I say that as if it's a small thing, but of course it's not. Anti-clockwise, we've got delays from Waltham Abbey to Enfield, so heading into the roadworks from Essex. It's also slow from the M1 to Junction 19 at Watford, taking maybe 10 or 15 minutes through there already. And similarly, 10 or 15 minutes worth of delays between Maple Cross and the M40, Junction 17 and 16. Slow on a couple of the routes in toward London as well, the A1 through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus, and the A10 through Enfield from Bullsmore Lane to South. Southbury Road. There are some delays now on the trains. First Capital Connector affected by disruption to the south of London. Well, indeed, from East Croydon through to St Pancras, it's because of a signalling problem at Honour Oak Park, and it means that London-bound services can't call at London Bridge, and there are some delays of up to 25 minutes journeys. What does this mean? It means that we could have some late runners or some cancellations coming through Luton and onwards toward Bedford. And indeed, we've already had one cancellation on the board this morning. I think 7.27 service is cancelled. And on the tubes, things looking better because the Metropolitan Line is now back to normal after the signal failure at Neeston. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. All right, 7.17, it's Thursday the 23rd of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, has urged people to remain calm while detectives investigate the killing of a serviceman in Woolwich yesterday. 
The Home Affairs Select Committee is calling for a national register of police and crime commissioners' pay and expenses. In sport, first practice at Formula One's Monaco Grand Prix gets underway at 8.45 with Lewis Hamilton hopeful his Mercedes team can pull off a win despite recent problems with their tyres. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks. Cloudy and cold with scattered showers and a top temperature of 11 degrees. Coming up before 7.30, we'll be speaking to Ollie Martins. He's the PCC for Bedfordshire. This is following calls from MPs for PCCs to be put under stronger scrutiny to prevent maverick decision-making. BBC Three Counties Radio. Tackling your consumer problems. Sylvie wasn't happy with the quality of her telephone line. Kate's having problems with her leaky garage roof. The JVS show. Five times they've not turned up for the appointment. I've still got the leak, which is obviously getting worse. Fighting for your rights. I went to speak to your telephone company and I said, look, what on earth is going on? The JVS show. Have they managed to fix the problem with the internet? Yeah, it's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. It could not, well, it would not have happened without your intervention. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same. Same for you. It took one phone call from yourself, whereas I've been trying for over six months. The JVS Show, weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. Very quickly, an email, uh, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. On the subject of should that video have been shown last night, George says, Ian, what hypocrisy, the BBC questioning whether the video should have been shown. Is it that ITV got there first? You swivel-eyed PC loonies promote the left, uh, promote the lefty agenda whenever the opportunity allows and never hold the left responsible for anything. Well, that's George. Thank you, George. Now, stronger scrutiny is required of elected police commissioners to prevent maverick decision-making. That's according to MPs. Police and crime commissioners, uh, PCCs, are required by law to reveal certain financial data. But a survey by the Home Affairs uh, Select Committee has found that only a quarter of the officials have done so. The committee has called for a national register of PCCs' interests, pays, perks and hospitality. Well, joined now by Ollie Martins, who's the PCC for Bevshire. Morning, Ollie. Morning, Ian. Ollie, are you transparent in enough well i try very hard to be uh i mean it's i think it's important that uh i demonstrate that i'm here to serve the people um and you know that's what's important and uh, i do that transparently and of course i was uh pleased to be name checked in the home home affairs select committee report as one of the pccs who has fulfilled my statutory obligations do you understand what pc uh, what mps are saying and why they're saying this um, well, I think there, there are, it's important for people in public life to be transparent and for the public to be able to know what, what, what's being done in their name um, and also what, um, you know, transparent in terms of what interests, other interests people in public life may have. Um, you know, I, was, uh, I worked in Parliament during the expenses scandal, so I, I certainly understand the importance of transparency and why people care about it. Are you, are you sweating around the collar a bit, Ollie? Is there something you're thinking, oh, maybe this, uh, th- th- this claim I've put in is perhaps slightly questionable? Well, I don't put in many claims. Um, and as I say, I'm one of the PCCs that's complied with my statutory obligations in terms of transparency. So, uh, you know, I'm, no, I'm not particularly afraid. I, I, you know, I'm quite clear that I'm here to serve the public and I want to demonstrate to the public that that's what I'm doing. 
Uh, and th- these maverick decision makings, we we do hear um, uh, things. Uh, the um, uh, Anthony Stansfield, the uh, Thames Valley um, PCC, is, is claiming twenty thousand pounds a year, I think, for uh, a chauffeur-driven uh, car. There was the lady, of course, um, I can't remember where it was, who hired Paris Brown, the seventeen-year-old girl, as yeah, a, as a Anne youth. Anne Barnes in Kent. That was it, Anne Barnes. Uh, uh, who do the PCCs answer to? Well, ultimately, it's the public and um, the uh, people of Kent and Thames Valley uh, and everywhere else will have an opportunity to pass a verdict um, on the performance of their PCC when the election takes place. So that's a pretty, uh, you know, pretty sort of powerful mechanism, really, and it's obviously a more powerful mechanism than you had uh, when we had police authorities. But, I mean, I think in terms of my own record, if you... uh, Remember, I stopped the privatisation of the police to G4S, and I've saved the PCSO. So I don't think uh, I don't think there are too many people that think the decisions I'm taking are particularly maverick ones. The Lincolnshire PCC suspended her, her chief constable. That's a big decision. Have PCCs got too much power? I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think so. But I think I do. I do uh, agree re- with the sort of drive of the report that um you know perhaps the way in which pccs are scrutinized while they're in office um is still a work in progress really uh ollie uh, just to confirm you haven't got a twenty thousand pounds a year chauffeur have you driving you around (laughs) i don't know i drive myself it would be nice i'm envious of that anthony stensfield i wouldn't mind that (laughs) uh, at all final point uh, ollie there is a a criticism that the board you report to uh is, is a little bit toothless is that the case well, as I say, I think the way in which we're scrutinised, which is what the police and crime panel do, um, is a bit of a, a work in progress. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that I certainly wouldn't be averse to that, having uh, to Parliament having another look at that. And I lied then. This, this is the final question. On a slight tangent, I'm, I'm just keen to get your opinion on this. We've been discussing uh, the horrific events yesterday in Woolwich and uh, the video the, uh, that was been shown on various news channels uh, last night of, of uh, one of the alleged attackers uh, addressing mm. the camera. Yeah. I, I'm in two minds. What do you think? Should that have been shown? I think it would have been better to uh, have an understanding of the motives of those attackers. Uh, before broadcasting uh, something that they obviously were intent upon having broadcast, uh, so I think I think uh, the media should have shown a little bit more caution before just sticking it up there. Ollie Martins, I appreciate your time. Ollie Martins, PCC for Bedfordshire. Well, we did invite uh, all three of the PCCs on. Uh, David Lloyd, um, who is Hertfordshire, returned our request, and I think he's going to be appearing on the show a little bit later on. He might be on JVS a bit later on. Um, and uh, Anthony Stansfield will... Well, I don't know if he got back to us or not. I know he's, he's a little bit reticent to come on this station. I don't quite know why. Anthony, if you're listening... Uh, give us a call, 08459 455 555. Be nice to talk to you. There's a, a, a few questions we'd like to ask you. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, whose responsibility is it to teach your kids how to swim? The uh, Swimming Association, or whatever they're called these days, suggests that schools are failing our children in that they're not teaching them how to swim. Well, I'm not sure if it's the school's responsibility. When I had swimming lessons at school, I was trying to think. I was nine years old. I could swim by them. And if anything, those swimming lessons put me off. 
The teacher was flipping horrible. I won't, I won't mention his name in case he's still alive. But, he, oh, what a bully. He broke Orlando Kelly's um, swimming goggles. We don't use swimming goggles in this class. He picked them up, threw them across the room and cracked them. Oh, his, uh, his mum was furious. Whose responsibility is it to teach your kids to swim? April's in Luton. Morning, April. Good morning. Who, whose responsibility is it? It's the parents. It's always the parents. Have you got kids? I have. I've got one. I've got a boy. He's four. We've just come back off holiday. Oh, anywhere nice? Yeah, we've just been to Tenerife. Oh, lovely. a bit of Tenerife. Was it good? Nice. It was good, actually, yeah. Nice weather? Yes, it was. Sorry, it was only about 23 to 29 oh, every day. Oh, get lost, April. Get <laughs> lost. I'm off, I'm off to Zakynthos soon, so I'll... Yes. Uh, did, were, you, were you near a pool? Was, was the sea yeah, there? Yeah, the pool has, um, the pool has two... Um, the hotel had two big pools and two children's pools. Yeah. And one of the big pools is 25 metres long. We started the holiday with him on armbands, but he didn't have a lot of air in them. Right. And um, oh, by the end clever. of the holiday, he did the 25 metres. Did he really? Yeah. And he couldn't swim before that? He, well, his armbands are on, like, minimum, minimum air. Yeah. Um, I just think he needed the confidence. Yes. But of course, when you're by the pool every single day... Yeah. You just can get the practice. And so by the end of the holiday, he was doing 25 metres. OK, right. These people listening to this who think it's teachers' responsibilities, what did no. you do? How did you do it? What, 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 what techniques did you use? Well, we've been taking him swimming on a, on a relatively regular basis when he was younger. Um, and we did armbands as soon... Because we had one of those, like, life jacket things. Yeah. As soon as we realised that he didn't really need that, we put armbands on. Yeah. And then over a period of time, we just reduced the amount of air in the armbands. So that uh, really, they were just a token thing yeah. and then one day we just took them off and, and he, he realised he could swim without them and then he, he decided he there, didn't need his armbands April there are, there are 11 year olds in beds, hearts and bucks that can't swim and have never been in a swimming pool what would you say to their parents? I, I was one of those kids really? yeah and what was disappointing is after my father had died, I looked through all his paperwork and I found stuff that proved that he was actually an excellent swimmer. He got awards when he was a child for swimming, but he never took us swimming. And when I was 11, I didn't learn to swim until I was about 12. And I'm a poor swimmer now. Mm. And I'm disappointed about that. But I can swim, so I know. And so listen, for me, it's important. And how Parents happen- teach kids to swim. How, what was the look on your boy's face when he swam that length of that pool? Oh, he's so proud, because when he did the 25 metres, all the people around the pool, they're all clapping. Oh, him, fantastic. Brilliant stuff. April in Luton, well done. Of course it's the responsibility of the, the parents to teach children to swim, isn't it? I, listen... <clears throat> Teachers get a bit of a rough ride. Sometimes they deserve it. Sometimes they do slack a little bit. But I, I, to lump swimming on their shoulders, no. I can't have that. 08459 555 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still got disruption on the trains. First Capital Connect affected between East Croydon and St Pancras International by a signalling problem on Oak Park. It's mainly affecting, well, delays of up to 25 minutes at the minute. It's mainly affecting services on the northbound side right now, which means that you could have some late-running trains coming through Luton on toward Bedford. And indeed, there was at least one cancellation already, the 737 service that was coming up from Brighton, and the 757 could be affected by that as well. So, one to keep an eye on. M1 southbound on the road, starting to slow now from the Luton Airport spur through to Redbourne Junction 10 to 9. M25 delays, well, they're getting 
getting longer, anti-clockwise still slow from Waltham Abbey to Enfield into the roadworks. From the M1 round to Watford's taking 10 or 15 minutes and it's looking slow from Maple Cross to the M40. And routes into London getting busy as well, the A10 through Enfield and the A1 through Boreham Wood. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Were the news organisations right to have shown that video of uh, those alleged attackers last night. 08459 455 555. We'll talk about that and speak to Keith Vaz after the news and sport with Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. At 7.30, the headlines, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner Sir Bernard Hogan Howe has urged people to remain calm while detectives investigate the killing of a serviceman in Woolwich yesterday. The Home Affairs Select Committee is calling for a national register of police and crime commissioners' pay and expenses. And the Amateur Swimming Associations are accusing schools of failing in their duty to teach children to swim. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. James Stevenson has been named in the Bedford Blues side for tonight's championship playoff final first leg against Newcastle. The winger will replace Josh Bassett for the match at Goldington Road, which you can hear live on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford's director of rugby, Mike Rea, is telling his players to enjoy the experience. On occasions like this, they only come around uh, every so often, so you've got to make sure you enjoy them and, and enjoy the build-up as well. You know, there's no point in getting too uptight about it. Mm. You've just got to go with, roll with it and, uh, and enjoy every minute. Wasps wing Christian Wade's become the first person to win the double of the Players' Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year at last night's Rugby Players Association Awards. Joe Launchbury was named England Player of the Year, while Emily Scarrett was named England Women's Player of the Year. Watford, mid- Watford midfielder Nathaniel Ch- Chalabar says the mood in the camp is calm ahead of Bank Holiday Monday's Championship playoff final against Crystal Palace. Chalabar will play in central midfield at Wembley and is excited by the prospect. There's been a buzz around the place. All the lads are looking forward to it. All the coaching staff are looking forward to it and I think all the fans are looking forward to it as well. I'm really excited. I've been getting little, you know, little images in my head of what it would be like to win at Wembley and, and um, I think, to be honest, I don't really think it would be anything that, that should phase anyone. I think it should just be more excited. The early starters have just teed off at Golf's PGA Championship at Wentworth. World number 2 Rory McIlroy tees off at 8.25 this morning alongside Graham McDowell and Paul Laurie. Sergio Garcia is due to make a 12.50 start. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at 8 o'clock. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We'll be talking a wide range of topics. Sometimes you come in and you know exactly what you're going to get, and sometimes it's all over the shop. We're discussing swimming, we're discussing Woolwich, we're also discussing PCCs. Well, my uh, next guest, I will we'll be able to talk on at least two of those subjects, I'm sure. Uh, Keith Vaz is chairman of the Home Affairs Select Committee, and uh, we originally wanted to talk to him about police and crime commissioners. His committee has said that strong scrutiny of them is needed to prevent maverick decision making but also because of his role we'll be looking at the appalling incident in Woolwich last night as well first Keith uh, PCCs what exactly do you want them to be doing Uh, good morning Ian what we'd like is a annual register of interests of PCCs Mm. so people know what their salaries are what other jobs they have how big their staff contingent is and how much they spend on their budget and I think in this first year people are going to want to compare what the old police authorities spent compared to the new PCCs. So this register 
which the government refuses to publish, which we have published, is based on information that they have sent us or information that appears on the website, um, individual websites. So what we've done is we've put them together mm. so people can actually compare different areas and see whether they're getting value for money. And what kind of information have you discovered? Well, if you look at uh, Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, for example, and both commissioners have been extremely helpful in giving us information, Commissioner Martins um, has a salary of 70000 Commissioner Lloyd has a salary of 75000 um, He tells us, uh, Commissioner Martins, he has a flexible hours a week. Um, Commissioner Lloyd uh, doesn't want to tell us how many hours he spends on the job. Commissioner and he's, he's allowed to do that, is he? He's allowed to refuse to give that information. He is, but right. it's up to the public to decide whether he thinks um, it, that's right or wrong. OK. Um, he's then told us, Commissioner Lloyd, all the other different jobs he has on Decorum Council. He's a Hearts County Councillor. He's a Borough Councillor. He's the Chairman of a Development Committee. And he's given us um, a very frank uh, list of all the people he employs, his deputy, his senior officers. Their salaries range from £97,000 down to 20000 Commissioner Martins has told us the salary of his staff. Uh, a chief executive who owns who owns who uh, who earns more than he does seventy two thousand and all the other people in his in his in his staff and I think that's a good thing the public need to know all this so when they come to look at the commissioner mm. um, they can decide whether or not they're getting value for money and when the police and crime panel meet they can decide how to scrutinise. At the moment, no such document like this exists. It's six months, I think, almost to, to the day since PCCs came in. How do those two gentlemen compare with other PCCs around the country? Are, are we doing well with uh, Ollie and uh, David? They're pretty mainstream. Right. I wouldn't say that they have done anything that um, alerted the committee to think that perhaps they're going out of the box. We've had examples of chief constables being suspended, We've had appointments being made without proper scrutiny. Mm. Uh, we've had uh, police and crime panels telling the select committee that they can't meet because um, a lawyer in a district council said they couldn't allow the public into their meetings. Mm. We've had some very odd um, comments and decisions in the last six months. We will look at this again in a year right. because police and crime commissioners are a vital part of the new landscape of policing and therefore they need to be in the mainstream of decision-making. People need to know who they are and they need to be able to ask them questions, scrutinise them, and then come forward through the police and crime panels if they're dissatisfied. The Thames Valley uh, Police and Crime Commissioner, Anthony Stansell, that covers part of... I mean, it's a huge region. It covers part of our region uh, in, in, with some of Bucks. Did you get any information uh, about him? We know... Uh, the, I think he spends £20,000 a year on a chauffeur-driven car. We had absolutely no information provided by the Thames Valley Commissioner, which we thought was extremely odd, um, especially as he is the commissioner covering the area of the Prime Minister. Mm. Um, we then went to look at his website, and there was no information that we could take from there, which we could put forward. And I think that that's not acceptable. And I think it's for the Police and Crime Commission uh, panel uh, to find out why that is. And that's why we put this information out. People can know that Commissioner Stansfield decided not to tell us anything, as opposed to Commissioner Martins and Commissioner Lloyd, who were very open with the information that they gave. It's therefore up to the public now to take this forward. We're not there to monitor and scrutinise what they do. It's up to the police and crime panel. Maybe one of the local MPs in Thames Valley, Mr Cameron, will want to know exactly what this information is. Are PCCs working? 
I think it's for the public to judge in the end. I think that they're a very important development. I think the election process ought to have been handled slightly differently to give more people the opportunity to participate. I think there was a lack of awareness. Having said all that, they're in post. They're there. And therefore, we need to deal with them. We need to let them get on with our job and provide the kind of uh, uh, guidance that is necessary for our chief constables who will be in charge of uh, operational matters. We are going to go back and look at PCCs a year on in November of this year. So it's, in a sense, a gentle reminder to all the PCCs. Those who haven't provided the information will need to do so by the time we start our major inquiry. Now, it would be remiss to have you in and not speak to you about the horrific events that happened yesterday in Woolwich. What what, What are your views on it? Oh, shock and horror. I think anyone who switches on the television as they as we do now as we did last night to see the horrible horrible barbaric um attacks on um a person who appears to have just been going about his his lawful business we don't have the facts on the perpetrators but one of the things i think we need to do is to await the outcome of the meeting of cobra to be chaired by the prime minister when hopefully the commissioner will be able to put the facts before the prime minister my worry is that the public will feel worried and concerned, therefore let's keep them informed, mm. but also there needs to be a mechanism for ensuring Parliament is informed. We have this bizarre situation where Parliament has just been opened by the Queen and now closes for 10 days, so our ability to get information is limited, and I hope that more information will be forthcoming, but it's a pretty awful situation. Final question, 20 seconds if you can, because I know you're very busy this morning. That video that was shown last night on the news, should it have been shown? Yes, I think it should have been shown because I think it will help the police and help those who know these people come forward with information. I think it's very, very important that these issues should be put in the public domain. Keith Lass, thank you very much this morning. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, you heard Keith Vaz there. He uh, believes quite strongly that the video should have been shown. Well, what do you think? Should that video have been shown yesterday on the news? I retweeted it. I woke up with a a, a tinge of regret this morning that that I'd perhaps got slightly carried away with things. 08459 455 555. Now, often a completely different thing. Whose responsibility is it to teach your children to swim? The Amateur Swimming Association reports today that more than half of children, I find this incredible, aged between 7 to 11 in Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire cannot swim 25 metres unaided. Well, Graham Kent is from Active Luton and joins me now. Good morning, Graham. Good morning. You're hi- hidden behind there. If you can get a little bit closer to my friend, we, we, we can sort of see each other, which is, which is good enough. Uh, is this a surprise to hear this? Seven to 11-year-olds can't swim. It's not a surprise to us. Um, we see the children coming through the schools, and there's probably about 85% of those people that we see coming into there that can't swim. So it's not a surprise. I think it's a long-term issue um and we find that actually a lot of parents can't swim and that's a real problem because if they can't swim then they're not taking their children so when the children get to school a lot of them won't have even seen a pool when did this change because i mean listen i'm an old man i grew up in the 70s we went swimming every week every other week with my dad and we got a bar of chocolate at the end and as soon as we got old enough 9 10 11 we get dropped off with our mates we go for a swim and we, we, we when did that stop being a thing to do I, th- I think a long time ago, 
Um, really <laughs> it's a changing world yeah. i'm older than you and right. i did the same right um but i think there's there's lots more things that people actually want to do time is more of an issue more pit more parents are kind of working mm. um, both parents are working now so really kind of time is an issue for them and i think that's that's we're seeing the benefit whose responsibility is it to teach kids to swim is it the parents or is it the schools ultimately it's the parents um i think school swimming will never deliver anything more than the basics and it has to be supplemented by either lessons if parents have got the time and the money um or parents taking the children themselves Mm. and it's got to be a i think a mix of all three of those people it's a bit unfair to say that the schools have complete responsibility it's a major um job for them to bring children out of school and uh, the, the funding's been devolved it's been decentralized and that's now with the schools so we've kind of put the emphasis on the schools but it's a little bit unfair to blame them well tabby is here as well morning tabby hello morning. you're 22 years old you're from luton yes. you had swimming lessons at school and they weren't effective <laughs> how old were you when you had these lessons well i think uh, i was around about maybe eight or nine yep. the thing is the junior school <coughs> that I went to we didn't actually have a swimming pool we had to go to the local one which was on Bath Road mm. obviously now that's been closed but we only had, had maybe around about an hour or an hour and a half for, of a swimming lesson yep. once a week and obviously that wasn't effective for me. And plus we were in a group. I didn't feel like I could have one-to-one lessons. It was very much like very group orientated. Mm. And all the focus went on the kids that were promising, whereas the ones that were slacking like me and didn't know how to swim, we were kind of left behind. So can you swim now at 22? No. You can't swim. I, I haven't touched a pool since I was 15. Why? Has it, has it put you off? Does it not interest you? Do, I mean, do you go on holiday? Do you go to the beach? Do you do these things? Oh, I'm a sad person. I don't really go on holiday. But if I did, then yes, I would definitely would take up swimming. But so you, you would take it up, yeah. but it, because it's not part of your life. Yeah. What, what would you like to have seen different in your lessons then? What would have made it better for you? I think what would have been better, maybe the one-to-one lessons that I could have benefited from. But obviously, that never really happens. So yeah. I think that could have been it. And I think... Um, I think, you know, encouragement from both sides, parents and teachers, would have been interesting. Mm. So I think that would And that's the thing, isn't it, Graham? Is, is, is it's all about encouragement when you're, when you're a young person. If, if you have a bad experience or you don't enjoy it, you're not going to get involved with it, are you? No, and, and we've, I think we've recognised that fact. Um, and because we've seen... The, the report's not a surprise to us, and we've been working for a, for a kind of period of time with the schools to try and change that balance because we've seen so many children mm. that can't swim. So we're reducing the numbers. Uh, so the, ratio, the recommended ratios for school lessons are 1 to 20. Wow. We're reducing those to 1 to 12 so that we can actually improve the quality. So rather than the schools just churning people through in short six-week blocks, whereas your earlier caller at April was kind of saying, you know, it doesn't actually take that long to teach somebody to swim. But if we can get the children in in a 10-week block with reduced numbers in more water space, then I think what we'll see is, a, is an improvement in that and, and you know, we'll, we'll be getting April on lessons after this. Get, get Tabby in, get Tabby to get her swimming. Tabby, go, go swimming with... with I yeah, think I need to, definitely. We've given her the details of the yeah. adult lessons and that is a real problem in that, in that so many adults now can't swim and that's a real barrier to them to doing Tabby, what are you embarrassed? Do. Are you embarrassed you can't swim? Well, now I am. <laughs> no, don't, well, don't be because of us, but I'm just, I'm just trying to think. I mean, swimming has always been part of my life. I'm not particularly good, not particularly confident, but I can do it. Uh, and I, I kind of enjoy it, and I love taking the kids. But I'm just trying to put myself in a position of, of an adult that can't swim. Do you, do, you, do you feel uncomfortable about that? Well, 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 
today I do, but I mean, regardless of that, um, I don't really feel embarrassed. But when I do like want to go on holiday with my friends mm. and they go to the beach, then I'm kind of like sitting at the shore, not want to jump in the water because I'm like, oh, I'm going to drown. Somebody save me. That's how I'm like. Uh, I used to like swimming so, yeah. in the, uh, at the sea until, <laughs> until I trod on a sea urchin. I ain't never going in that water ever again, man. That hurts. Uh, Graham, so just, just, just finally, what other things are you doing to encourage young people to learn how to swim? Well, we, we, we have our, our Learn to Swim programmes. Um, it's actually uh, 22nd of June is Drowning Prevention Week. Oh, very interesting. So we're doing lots of things with the schools uh, to, to, to raise the awareness of the fact that swimming is a life skill and that the opportunities are there in Luton to be able to swim. Um, and it's fun take your kids swimming man even if you can't swim stand in the shallow end with them it's <laughs> fun to do Graham Kent from Active Luton thank you very much Tabby thank you very much as well right time for this travel news for beds hearts and bugs BBC Three Counties Radio on the trains First Capital Connect still running with disruption Race Croydon through to St Pancras because of a signalling problem at Honor Oak Park. It means that you could still have some late running trains coming through Luton onwards toward Bedford. And we had one cancellation already this morning. And we've had another cancellation now. The 808 service that would have been coming through Luton onwards toward Bedford has been cancelled because of this problem in London. Taking a look at everything else on the trains, and it's quite good on the rest of the rail departure boards at the minute. On the roads, slow on the A1 southbound. Delays that start at Eaton, Soken and St Neots and go down to the Black Cat roundabout. Steppingley Road in Flittick is closed. There's been an accident at Froghall Road near to the Steppingley Hospital. The police are on the scene there. M1 southbound, slow from Luton to Red. Redbourne Junction 10 to 9. M25 is now busy from the M11 in Essex all the way round and through the roadworks to the A1M at Junction 23, taking about 40 minutes in the traffic there. It's also slow from the M1 through to the M40 with delays of nearly an hour. Clockwise looking slow toward the roadworks, Junction 22 at London Coney through toward 24 at Potter's Bar. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Hopefully we'll speak to you in about 15 minutes, but I won't hold my breath. Right, 7.47, it's Thursday the 23rd of May. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Metropolitan Police Commissioner, Sir Bernard Hogan Howe, has urged people to remain calm while detectives investigate the killing of a serviceman in Woolwich yesterday. The Home Affairs Select Committee is calling for a National Register of Police and Crime Commissioners' pay and expenses. In sport, Wasps wing Christian Wade has become the first person to win the double of the Players' Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year at last night's Rugby Players' Association Awards. Said player a lot there, didn't I? Coming up before 8 o'clock, we'll bring you up-to-date developments on uh, following the uh, horrific attack last night in Woolwich. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rossini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Today is feeling noticeably cooler already, but for most of us it's a dry and a bright start. We do have some showers, a good peppering of them through the rest of the morning and into the afternoon and indeed into the evening as well. And they're going to get going really over the next couple of hours or so, although Hertfordshire already seen quite a few showers this morning. Um, so showers feeling cooler, a bit of brightness around, although starting from now we're going to we're going to see the cloud increase. So quite a cloudy, quite cloudy through the mid morning 
morning and into the first part of the afternoon, of course, with that good scattering of showers. Temperatures only up to between 8 and 10 degrees Celsius in Stevenage and Luton and in St Albans as well. It's just 50 in Fahrenheit, so noticeably cooler, along with a very chilly and a blustery wind too. As we head into this evening's rush hour, there are more showers around, some of them the odd one heavy here and there too. And then gradually they'll fade away overnight. It's going to be too windy tonight for a frost, but we're looking at lows between 4 and 5 degrees Celsius, I'd say. And then for tomorrow, it's going to be cold, it'll be wet, and it'll be quite windy at times too. So not very nice at all tomorrow, at least though for the bank holiday weekend, that is Saturday and Sunday, it is looking dry with much lighter winds and there'll even be some sunshine around and slightly higher temperatures all the way up to 15 or 16 degrees Celsius. Just a shame that it's not going to be like that on Bank Holiday Monday. That's the forecast. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. The government's Emergency Response Committee, COBRA, will reconvene this morning after a soldier was hacked to death near an army barracks in south-east London. Two men have been arrested and are under armed guard in hospital. The attack in Woolwich is being investigated by counter-terrorism police. One of the attackers, his hands covered in blood, was filmed by a passerby saying he'd carried out the killing because British soldiers were killing Muslims every day. Well, reporter Simon Thompson is in Woolwich for us this morning. Uh, Simon, what's happening there today? Well, you join us in very much still as an ongoing crime scene. This, this area actually is normally the, the part of the South Circular. The busy arteries through South, South London is still very much cordoned off by police tape. And the buses and, and traffic coming in this area is being diverted through Woolwich Town Centre. Uh, now, the police took away some uh, evidence yesterday, uh, a red car for forensic testing. And they're continuing to comb the area today and keep passengers, uh, passers-by away. The media is just camped out just in front of us, in front of the, uh, the police tape there, training their cameras on the scene. But if I describe briefly uh, how close this is to everything, you've got just on my left-hand side from where I'm speaking to you now uh, the military barracks. Uh, so the military barracks are very much on the corner of the crime scene and then you've got the clock tower, the old Woolwich Town Hall which towers above the road. It just shows you that this incident happened so close to Woolwich Town Centre. That you had many passers-by, many shoppers walking up the hill yesterday with their shopping bags watching the horror played out in front of them. And what have eyewitnesses said, Simon? Well, many eyewitnesses talk initially about uh, an accident that happened with the, the two suspects, it's believed, knocking down the victim. And then they thought initially getting out of the car to help the victim, but in fact going to attack him. They dragged his body, as far as we understand, into the middle of the road and dumped it there. And then they just stayed around, milling quite happily with members of the public. And they called for people to actually film them, to film what had happened, to film their blood-stained clothing and their hands, to film their tirade of abuse against uh, the military, against the government, and saying an eye for an eye, a tooth for tooth, is what one suspect is said to have said to another uh, one witness, one passerby. And uh, certainly it was for about 20 minutes or so. They stood around, and then eventually the armed, um, the armed police units uh, arrived on the scene. The two suspects, we're told, charged towards the police, and that's when the police opened fire. Simon Thompson, thank you very much. Live from Woolwich. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That, is that from the Bible? That's from the Bible, isn't it? <clears throat> what a, a mixed uh, message to be given. 08459 455 555. The video that was shown on the news last night, ITV showed it, then Channel 4 showed some of it, and BBC showed some of it. So, should that video have been shown? I saw it. Chilling is the only word I can use to describe it. 08459 455 555. Should that video have been shown last night? <laughs> 
On Sunday, it's the Luton International Carnival. And with BBC Three Counties Radio, it'll be like you're right there. I'll be bringing you all the flavour, atmosphere and music from Luton's flagship event. We'll be in the parade and in the crowd. Plus, we'll be hosting the main stage in Wardown Park. So come down and see us or listen live right here. Luton International Carnival, Sunday from midday on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you have a little look at some of the front pages of the newspapers, you can give me a call, by the way, on, on this or any of the things we're talking about. 08459 455 555. Someone's taken my Daily Mail! So who, who's taken my Daily Mail? I'm going to find that person and, and uh, have them flogged. It, it could be Keith Vaz. No, Keith Vaz has got my Guardian. Oh, look, oh my God, I've got no papers. Keith Vaz has got my Guardian. I think Paul Scoynes has got my Daily Mail. That says something, doesn't it? Scoines, you better be bringing some coffee to make up for that. Let's have a look at the front pages of the newspapers, although we can all uh, pretty much guess uh, what the story is. What time did this happen? 2.20 yesterday. I thought it was later than that. It happened at 2.20. Uh, the, the front pages are all pretty much the same story. The Daily Telegraph. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That is a Bible quotation. It's not Shakespeare, is it? It's, it's biblical. We won't stop fighting until you leave us all alone. There's a... Uh, it is a horrific picture, OK? I'm going to describe it, but it's horrific. Uh, there's the, one of the alleged attackers, it's from this video footage, stood in the street, he's holding a meat cleaver and his hands are covered in blood. Talking to the camera. Uh, and in the background you can uh, see um, what well, kind of chaos, really. And there's also uh, another picture of, uh, uh, of the body of the gentleman we now know it was uh, a serviceman. Two Islamist terrorists, I'm reading from the Guardian, uh, from the Telegraph. Two Islamist terrorists attempt to behead soldier with a knife and meat cleaver after murdering, on a, murdering him on a London street. And then there's another picture of the other chap. Um, Life online, mother tells terrorists to drop we- we- weapons. This is this incredible woman, Ingrid Lawyer Kennett, a Cub Scout leader, who goes up to the fella, the other fella, who's got a bloody knife... And uh, she says, uh, being a cub leader, I have my first aid. So she said, when I saw this guy on the floor, I thought it was an accident. Then I saw the guy was dead and could not feel a pulse. When I went up, there was this black guy with a revolver and a kitchen knife. He had what looked like butcher's tools. Continue to page two. This woman's story is incredible. Uh, A little axe to cut bones and two large knives. He said, move off the body. So I thought, okay, I don't know what's going on here. He was covered in blood. Now, at this point, most people would have legged it. Right? Not Ingrid Lawyer Kennett. He was covered in blood. I thought I'd better start talking to him before he starts attacking somebody else. Well, isn't that incredible? I'm getting shivers reading this. I thought these people usually have a message, so I said, what do you want? I asked him if he did it, and he said yes. I said, why? He said because he has killed Muslim people in Muslim countries. He said he was a British soldier, and I said, really? He said, I killed him because he killed Muslims. I'm fed up with people killing Muslims in Afghanistan. And then later on, she asks him for the weapon. Can we, what, what, can we give this woman a medal? What can we do? We can't make her a knight, can we? You can only do that to women. Can, can we, can we uh, give her something? Can we give her like a blank cheque and a posh house somewhere? Doesn't she, isn't that the bravest thing you've ever heard? Well, she gave an interview, uh, Ingrid gave an interview to Radio 4's Today's programme this morning, and hopefully, hopefully we can pay a little bit of that uh, a bit later on in the show. What, what can we do for this woman? I just think that's the most incredible bravery to approach a scene, realise what the scene is, and stick with it. 
Well, well done, her. She's in a few of the papers. The Independent, sickening, deluded and unforgivable. It's again, it's the pictures of, uh, uh, of these chaps and another picture of uh, the, the second man uh, speaking to Ingrid. Police shoot two men after soldier is beheaded in busy Woolwich Street. They're alive. That's something, isn't it? I don't know if they're expecting to be martyrs. Well, they're alive now and uh, they will face justice, which I think is always uh, uh, a bonus. I'm sure they wanted to be shot dead. Because when you... They had a gun, didn't they? I think that the, the gun may have injured them. When you run at the police with a gun, you expect to be shot dead. Well done, those, those coppers. Uh, the Times. Uh, soldier hacked to death in London terror attack. There's also a small thing here. Garcia apologises. A contrite Sergio Garcia, a golf player, made an unreserved apology to Tiger Woods over comments he made at an awards dinner about inviting the world number one for fried chicken. Oh, yeah, a little bit casual racism. He's going to lose five million quid, at least, in sponsorship. Well done. Ah, a little bit of casual racism from the uh, Spanish number one. Daily Express. Terror fanatics beheaded soldier, but don't panic, because there's a picture of pregnant Kate in a yellow dress. That takes our mind off things. Would love to give you the Daily Mail, but Paul Scoynes has stolen it. Uh, and the Sun. We killed the British soldier. It's an eye for an eye. Um, and they're calling him a terrorist. I don't know... I've kind of held off using the T-word today because I don't really know what that means. And I'm just being cautious. Twitter was ablaze with people yesterday. Oh, for goodness. I, I went off. When Nick Robinson, the BBC News correspondent, started getting abuse for quoting a source saying that they look like Muslim gentlemen, when, when he was getting abuse, I thought, oh, do you know what, I'm going to bed. I don't, I don't need to read this, but Twitter was uh, ablaze with uh, all kinds of tosh last night. Uh, Paul Scoyne says, sorry, just messaged me. I took the Guardian, not the Mail. All right, Paul. Well, the mail's disappeared. It's gone somewhere. 08459 455 555. Let's spread this thing out. Should that video have been shown on TV last night? Do you blame Islam? What do you feel about what happened last night? Let's make it as simple as that. What do you feel about the attack that took place last night? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still disruption to the trains. First Capital Connect affected by delays now of up to half an hour. It's between East Croydon and St Pancras because of a signalling problem earlier this morning at Honor Oak Park. Now they've got everything open. It's just residual delays and it means you could have a couple of late runners coming through Luton and onwards toward Bedford. Everything going down toward London seems to be running okay for the time being. On the Roads at the minute, A1 southbound, we've got delays that start at Eaton Soken and continue through to the Black Cat roundabout. A1M is now slow from Stevenage at Junction 8, and the A1 into London still queuing around Boreham Wood. M1 southbound, very slow from the Luton Airport spur to Redbourne, and the A5 through Whipsnade is looking busy around there as well. Lynch Hill to the M1 at Junction 9. Steppingley Road in Flittick remains closed because of an accident at Froghall Road near to the Steppingley Hospital and queues on the M25 build anti-clockwise through to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks, Adam. Keen to get your thoughts on last night's events. Give me a call. We'll speak after the news. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
It's 8 o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, PM returns after Woolwich attack, Bucks PCC fails to comply with transparency rules and schools accused of failing to teach children to swim. BBC Three Counties Radio. Two men have spent the night under arrest in hospital as counter-terrorism police investigate the killing of a serviceman near a military barracks in Woolwich, south-east London. One is understood to be in a serious condition. David Cameron returned to Downing Street late last night after ending a visit to France early in order to coordinate the coalition's response to the attack. Our political correspondent Robin Brandt reports. The Prime Minister cut short a foreign trip and the diary has been cleared to deal with what those at the top of the government regard as an ongoing emergency. David Cameron will chair a second meeting of the COBRA committee this morning. The Home Secretary, the Defence Secretary, the Mayor of London, the country's most senior policeman and the new head of MI5 are among those who are expected to attend. Theresa May refused to say if the men responsible for the attack were known to the security service or the police. The UK threat level from international terror remains unchanged at substantial. Supporters of the Luton-based English Defence League gathered in Woolwich last night and threw bottles at police. Meanwhile, two men have been arrested in connection with two separate attacks on mosques at Braintree in Essex and Gillingham in Kent. Muslim organisations in Britain have strongly condemned the killing in Woolwich. The Muslim Council of Britain said it was a truly barbaric act that had no basis in Islam. In other news, the Home Affairs Select Committee says police and crime commissioners should be subject to tougher financial checks to avoid what it's calling maverick decision-making. The committee's chairman, Keith Vaz, told this programme that Thames Valley's Andrew Stansfeld is one of a number of PCCs failing to comply with the current rules on financial transparency. We had absolutely no information provided by the Thames Valley Commissioner, which we thought was extremely odd. Um, especially as he is the commissioner covering the area of the Prime Minister. Mm. Um, We then went to look at his website and there was no information that we could take from there which we could put forward. And I think that that's not acceptable. And I think it's for the Police and Crime Commission uh, panel uh, to find out why that is. And Commissioner Andrew Stansfeld has not responded to our request for comment so far this morning. Schools are failing in their duty to teach children to swim. That's according to the Amateur Swimming Association. They say more than half of 7 to 11-year-olds are unable to swim 25 metres unaided and only 2% of schools are delivering the government's recommended 22 hours of swimming time. In sport, Bedford Blues have named winger James Stevenson in their side for tonight's championship playoff final first leg against Newcastle. Stevenson will replace Josh Barrett, who has an infection, and you can hear the Goldington Road match live on BBC Three Counties Radio. The weather, cloudy and cold with scattered showers and a top temperature of 11 degrees Celsius, that's 52 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Catherine. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight, Thursday morning. Don't forget tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon. Oh, exciting stuff. The podcast launches... Of the weekly best bits of the show. Don't know if we'll have any of today's show. It's been, it's been a little bit heavy. <laughs> not, not been too many laughs in this morning's show. I'm sure will be plenty tomorrow. Lots coming up tomorrow. Anyway, what have we got now between uh, now and nine o'clock and JVS? Well, we will be keeping you up to date uh, on the developments following the, uh, the uh, attack in Woolwich last night. I'm keen to get your thoughts on it. Should that video have been shown? And what's your reaction to it? Your reaction to what happened last night in Woolwich? Are you scared? Are you worried that it it, it could happen to you? Or that there could be revenge attacks on Muslims in in Luton and Beds, Hearts and Bucks? Do give me a call. 08459 455 555. 
According to the Amateur Swimming Association, schools are failing in their duty to teach children how to swim. But whose responsibility is it to teach your children to swim? And PCC's MPs say there needs to be stronger scrutiny of elected police commissioners to prevent maverick decision-making. Well, David Lloyd from uh, Hertfordshire and Ollie Martins from uh, Bedfordshire, they both come out quite well, according to Keith Faz, who was on the show earlier on. Anthony Stansfeld from uh, Thames Valley, he decided not to give any details at all on his expenditure. So... Should the PCCs be better scrutinised? 08459 455 555. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR or you can send me a text if you want. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, two men have spent the night under arrest uh, in uh, in hospital as counter-terrorism police investigate the killing of a man who we now know was uh, a soldier near a military barrack- barracks in south-east London. The victim, who has not yet been named, was hacked to death in the street by suspected Islamist extremists armed with knives and meat cleavers. cleavers. Well, it, 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 bits of it were filmed, uh, bits of it have been shown on the news. The thing that struck me looking at the papers this morning was this uh, lady, Ingrid Lawyer Kennett who confronted the attackers in Woolwich as they stood over the victim. Interviews with her in some of the papers. An incredible story. Absolutely incredible. She approached it, didn't know what was going on, kind of worked out what was going on quite sharpish. Well, she's been telling her story to ITV's Daybreak programme, and uh, this is a little bit of what she had to say. Well, I saw a man on the road, uh, obviously injured, and a car badly crashed. So I assume it was a road accident, although the car was funnily on on the pavement. I mean, Mm. it was not coming off the road it was really completely straight on the pavement and i thought it's a bit bizarre but anyway i didn't think of all i just went to the guy and uh when i approached uh the body there was a lady cradling him mm. and then the guy the most excited one of the two said uh, don't go too close to the body i thought okay and because i was down mm. i could see a revolver a butcher's knife and the bu- and um do you know this most axe the butchers have to cut yes, that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, um, that's what he had, and blood all over him. And I thought, what the heck, what happened there? And I thought, okay, obviously he's a bit excited, and the thing was just to talk to him. For me, it was just a regular guy, just a bit upset. He was not on drug, he was not drunk. He said, don't touch, uh, I killed him. And I said, why? He said, he's a British soldier. He killed people, he killed uh, Muslim people in in Muslim countries and they have nothing to do here. And I said, okay, um, so what would you like? And um, so I tried to make him talk about uh, what he felt and he said that all the bomb droppings and killing. Well, I had shivers listening to that. What an incredible story. That's Ingrid Lawyer Kennett uh, speaking to ITV's Daybreak programme this morning. What can, what can we do for this woman? Can we give her a massive house and a blank cheque? Give her a medal? She needs something, doesn't she? Most, most people, they see a car crash. They don't go up to it. They go, oh, oh, look at that. Maybe take a picture and walk on. She went up to this body, didn't realise what was going on. Then when she saw the fellow with the, the bloody meat cleaver and the, the tool that butchers use to take bones apart, she didn't run off. She stayed there and talked to him. Give her a blank cheque. Let her go and live in Buckingham Palace for a year. 
Incredible. Well, video of uh, one of the attackers was shown on television last night. Really graphic. You didn't see any violence, but you saw a a bloodied gentleman holding a meat cleaver, addressing the camera and and being very vocal. I retweeted this footage last night, and this morning I woke up and thought, do you know what? I wish I hadn't. I wish I hadn't. Do you think that film should have been shown on the television last night? 08459 455 555. And if you just want to give me a call and give me your thoughts on this, be keen to talk to you. Well, Justin Dealey has been out and about in Luton this morning. Justin. Oh, Justin, where are you? Are you there? Justin. Hello, Just, Ian. Oh, you're there, Justin. You're I am number indeed. three. I do apologise. Um, Ingrid. Uh, yes. Wow. Um, incredible to listen to that. I mean, we've seen the, the the papers this morning on the front page of every single newspaper. The video, of course, was shown by ICV, first of all, just after six o'clock yesterday. I mean, Luton this morning, Ian, I've been asking people whether the video was simply too graphic to be shown on television, and this is what people had to say. Annie, you, like millions of people, saw that video last night. Was that too graphic to be shown? No, it wasn't. I think it's about time people are made aware of what, just what exactly happens when these the atrocities take place. Mm. I think we try and um, protect people too much and we think of everything else that's available to society nowadays. And this is actual news. This is news. This is what's going on. It's important that people understand just how awful it is. Madam, you've got young children. You uh-huh. saw the video on TV last night. Was that yeah. too graphic to be shown, do you think? I think it was at that time, yes. Maybe if they showed it any time after 9, 10, mm. after the watershed period. Because with the knives and the blood, I think it was, it was too much. So were you quickly trying to get your children out of the room so they didn't Absolutely. see that or turn the TV off? Absolutely. I, well, fortunately my daughter wasn't around. But if she had come downstairs, I would have switched the channel, definitely. Well, so you've heard about the video, you're seeing the images on the front page of the papers this morning. Yeah. These images, are they just too graphic? Oh my God, this is, you know, it's unbelievable, honestly. This is it's very scary, I believe, you know. I don't know, I can't express myself, to be honest. This is so horrific, you know. I've, uh, I mean, you're a member of the Muslim community. Yeah. When you see things like this, how does that, how does that make you feel? What's your initial reaction? The initial reaction, reaction is, I think, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with the religion, you know. This is maybe something else. This, this guy may be sick in his head or something else. Mm-hmm. This is, a normal person cannot ever do that. Mm-hmm. You know, our religion doesn't teach us this thing, this, this sort of violence or anything, you know. A killing is killing. Mm-hmm. You cannot just put a blame on the religion or something else. Does it not concern you, though, that, that people are, will start stereotyping you, stereotyping your religion and associating you with people like that? Is, is that a concern to you? I know, but, you know, this is very unfortunate, though, but, uh, you know, this is an image created by everybody else. You know, that's why normal people they don't know much about the religion or all the other things. They see what they see. You know, and that's how they create their own image. And that's how they're just, uh, re- you know, just rebuilding the image about the Muslim community and everything else. That maybe all the Muslims are saying, but it's not like that. It's only a few people. You know what I mean? It's only a few people. You can't even count the numbers. You know, it doesn't represent Muslim or anything. Well, this is the worry, Justin, that, that uh, there are, I mean, there have already been talks of a few mosques being attacked and the English Defence League wading down to Woolwich. The worry is that idiots are going to think all Muslims are people who want to mm. hack soldiers to death and they're going to go and sort them out. Which is absolute nonsense. I was spoken to a, a few members of the Muslim community in Luton this morning. They are deeply embarrassed by, by what happened yesterday. They're saying, look, this has got nothing to do with us whatsoever. It doesn't represent the Muslim 
Muslim community. People need to understand that, and that's that's a fair enough point. Personally, when I was watching it last night, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I thought the images were too graphic for that time, and if I wasn't working in the media, I certainly would have turned the television off. The only reason that I stayed and watched it was because I knew that, that everyone this morning would unfortunately be talking about this, so I had to watch that video, but otherwise I certainly would have switched it off. Uh, the interesting thing is, should that video have been shown yes or no? It's an interesting debate. There'll be more video out there. I, I would suspect, I have no evidence to back this up, I would suspect there's video of the attack, because that's mm. what people do now. You see something in the street, you pull your phone out of your pocket, and you hold it up, you start filming. There'll certainly be more video of these uh, those chaps ranting away, won't there? I think there will be, and I think, you know, we heard about Ingrid's story and what she did. Um, absolutely incredible lady. Often when you, you have something like this, people stand around with their phones, filming, and don't actually try and help. So, I'm sure you're right there. The images and, and the videos will continue to come through, but I suppose this would have gone onto YouTube anyway. The bigger question is, people can go onto YouTube and watch that, but if you've got a young family in the room, that is coming directly into your living room, and your children could be watching something absolutely terrifying just after six o'clock at night. We're not talking about after the watershed here, we're talking after six o'clock at night. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Lots of you having your, your comments on facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Um, Dave says, sure, this video should have been shown. It would appear these terrorists were looking for suicide by cop. Now it looks like they have to face up to their actions. Um, what else have we got? Jenny, I'm just picking these at random. Jenny Goldsmith, I find the thought horrific that friends and family of the victim may have seen it, perhaps not knowing it was their loved one's blood and body they were looking at. Yes, it should be shown, but only with family consent. But never should the soundtrack be broadcast. This was a terrorist publicity stunt. Deny the murderous twisted so-and-sos their voice. Their message is as meaningless to us as that poor soldier's life was to them. Uh, and Drake says, the Oklahoma bombings and the original bombings on the World Trade Center were by fanatics, Christian fanatics. Have you noticed you don't see Buddhist fanatics? Maybe we should all join that religion. Well, you say that in Burma. A few weeks ago, there were some Buddhists beating up some Muslims. So even those aren't quite as peaceful uh, as we thought. Uh, and final, let's read one more of these at random. Joe on Facebook says, there was a warning before they showed the film and you just knew it was going to be horrible. So you could have turned off or over. Now, there's a thought. It's news, people. We need to know what's going on and not shy away from it. They should bring back the death penalty for murder crimes where there is no doubt like this one, and I never thought I would think such a thing. 08459 455 555. Two things. Should that video have been shown? What do you make of last night? Are you scared? Are you worried this is going to kick off a wave of terrorism? Are you afraid of Muslims? Are you worried? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Right, eight fifteen. Let's get the travel. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The A1 southbound delays coming from Eaton Soken and St Neots through to the Black Cap roundabout. A1M is slow moving between Hitchin and Stevenage junctions eight and seven, and the A1 into London still slow through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The M1 this morning, there's problems as you come from junction 15 at Northampton through to the Newport Pagnell services. There was an accident earlier, it left some debris on the road. Uh, the Matrix signs 
been set to 40 miles an hour through there and it's causing queues. Further down the M1 we've got southbound delays from Luton through to Redbourne Junction 10 to 9 and the A5 coming down to the M1 at Junction 9 is looking very slow through the Whipsnade area so from Lynch Hill down to the M1. Steppingley Road in Flittick now that is closed there's been an accident at Froghall Road near to the Steppingley Hospital the police are still there dealing with that. Northbound M40 has a lane closed because of a broken down vehicle between Junction 1 at Denham and Junction 1A for the M25. Anti-clockwise M25 is slow, starting in Essex all the way through the roadworks, Junction 27 to 23. It's then busy from the M1 to the M40, Junction 21 to 16, with delays of nearly an hour, and slow clockwise to the roadworks, London Coney to Potter's Bar. And on the trains, we've had this problem for First Capital Connect in London. Delays of up to half an hour, East Croydon and Pancras because of an earlier signalling problem. They've sorted things, it's residual delays now, but it means the trains that got cancelled earlier obviously won't be running the other way again, so the 8.54 from Bedford through London to Brighton has been cancelled. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, 8.16, it's uh, Thursday the 23rd of May. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Two men have spent the night under arrest in hospital as counter-terrorism police investigate the killing <coughs> excuse me, of a serviceman near a military barracks in Woolwich in south-east London. Supporters of the Luton-based English Defence League gathered in Woolwich last night and threw bottles at police. In sport, Wasps wing Christian Wade capped off a wonderful season last night, becoming the, now let's count how many times I say the word player, becoming the first player to win both the Players Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year at the Rugby Players Association Awards. A lot of players. There's a lot of players, aren't there? Wowzers. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, cloudy and cold with scattered showers and a top temperature of 11 degrees. Coming up, we'll be speaking to Peter Nehru, the former Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. I get to meet a lot of really interesting people with the most amazing stories. We feel as if we haven't been taken notice of. Yesterday we heard that the bank had gone, but today it's still there. The cat got delivered up in Kabul. You should be back in the UK in two months. With the best local talking points. Do some of the bakers have flapjack fights? No, of course not, Roberto. Well, not in our shops. <laughs> Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three. On BBC. BBC Three Counties Radio. Joined by Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Good morning. Good morning to see you. I'm going to ask you a question I don't ask many gentlemen. Oh. Have I got a bit of bogey sticking out my nose? Well, lift your head back. No, but haven't you got funny-shaped nostrils? No, I've not. Why? You're like Daniela Westbrook. What's going... <laughs> What's going on out there? Have you got... You've got long, kind of pointy nostrils. Well, why couldn't you say, like, Kenneth Williams or someone? Oh, Sorry. Listen, serious stuff this morning. I'm, I'm assuming you'll be talking about what, what happened yesterday. Certainly will. Yes, from nine this morning, I'm going to be asking on the big phone in, how should we tackle radical hatred in this country? A man killed in a suspected terrorist attack in south-east London was a member of the armed forces. Senior Whitehall sources have confirmed two men spent the night under arrest in hospital as counter-terrorism police investigate the killing in Woolwich. One man, his hands covered in blood, was filmed by a passerby saying he carried out the attack because British soldiers killed Muslims every day. Well, it's shocking, it's sickening, but what on earth do we do now? From nine this morning, I want to hear your views. How should we tackle this kind of radical hatred 
that does exist in our country. Mm. How do we tackle it? How do we deal with it? It can't be allowed to continue. Something has got to be done. From nine this morning, I want to hear your thoughts for what should be done. 08459 455 555. It exists on both sides of the fence, of course. I'm not quite sure why the EDL thought it was appropriate to go down to Woolwich last night and chuck bottles at police officers. I don't quite see how they thought that would help the situation. No. The, the, the problem is that what happened yesterday, it was so shocking, it was so appalling, mm. and people are so upset and so angry about it. I think uh, a lot of people may have reacted in a kind of first-thought way. Yeah. And perhaps today, and I'm hoping from nine, we can have a, a grown-up discussion about it, where, where we can be frank, but we're not just going to be, you know, oh, yeah, well, it must be all the Muslims to blame, because of course it's not. Mm. As you have been reflecting this morning, 99.99% of Muslims will be absolutely disgusted and horrified by this attack in yeah. the same way that, that non-Muslims are. So to suggest in some way this is a Muslim problem is wrong. Mm. This is a radical hatred problem. Now, it just so happens that there seem to be some radical... Uh, some people who, who exhibit radical hatred who are Muslim and they use the religion to justify that kind of hatred. The question is, how do we tackle that? How do we stop it? We know in Luton we've seen some of the, the protests by these, these disgusting people who walk around saying the most appalling things about our country, mm. saying that our police should be killed, saying that our, our government should be killed. And they walk through the streets of Luton saying this kind of thing and preaching this kind of hatred. Well, it can't be allowed to continue, can it? Your views from nine this morning. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459-455-555. Now, earlier on, we heard how uh, open our police and crime commissioners have been to requests for information about their role that have been made by the Home Affairs Select Committee. The committee wants stronger scrutiny of elected police commissioners to prevent maverick decision-making. Its chair, Keith Vaz, came into this year this morning and told me some very interesting things about the role locally. If you look at uh, Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, for example, and both commissioners have been extremely helpful in giving us information, Commissioner Martins um, has a salary of 70000 Commissioner Lloyd has a salary of 75000 um, He tells us, uh, Commissioner Martins, he has a flexible hours a week, um, Commissioner Lloyd uh, doesn't want to tell us how many hours he spends on the job. Commissioner and he's, Lloyd, he's allowed to do that, is he? He's allowed to refuse to give that information? He is, but right. it's up to the public to decide whether he thinks um, it, that's right or wrong. Well, that was Keith Vaz talking about Ollie Martins, the PCC for Bedfordshire, and David Lloyd, the PCC for Hertfordshire. But we have a third, of course. Anthony Stansfeld, the PCC for Thames Valley, which does cover part of our patch. We don't hear much about him on this show because he always refuses to come on to our show. Well, I asked Mr Vaz what information Mr Stansfield has given. We had absolutely no information provided by the Thames Valley Commissioner, which we thought was extremely odd, um, especially as he's the commissioner covering the area of the Prime Minister. Mm. Um, we then went to look at his website and there was no information that we could take from there which we could put forward. And I think that that's not acceptable. And I think it's for the Police and Crime Commission uh, panel uh, to find out why that is and that's why we put this information out people can know that commissioner stansfield decided not to tell us anything well peter nayrud is the former chief constable of thames valley police and joins me now good morning peter good morning what are your thoughts on what you've just heard 
Well, it's uh, two out of three are doing one of the things that's really critical in democracy, which is being transparent. Uh, the public can't judge if they don't have the information, which is why there's a legal obligation on the commissioners to publish that information. But they should go much further than that. I mean, the idea that a, that a public official is elected for these purposes doesn't regularly and routinely respond to requests to, to, to come onto a programme like yours is really completely unacceptable. Why would Anthony Stansfeld uh, uh, have refused to give information, uh, such as what he's spending his money on and how long he works? Well, he, he can't keep doing that because actually it's a legal requirement on him to do so. so Is it? Okay. Uh, and, and it would be far better for the whole, you know, for the whole confidence in a, in a system that is already pretty shaky after a pretty tragically awful set of elections that were so badly mismanaged by the Home Office, uh, followed up by you know, a series of stories about, uh, which the Home Affairs Select Committee document, about uh, somewhat, somewhat inappropriate appointments. Uh, being made uh, sort of under the under the counter that actually the, the the more transparent information that commissioners can publish and the two that uh, mr vaz mentioned are you know are exhibiting that type of good practice of just holding out what they're doing and mr vaz did say that uh, ollie martins and david lloyd that they they were pretty straight down the line they seemed to be pretty pretty honest and uh were to, to, to well to the, some of the good guys compared to some of the other people that they'd seen so we we should yeah. be supporting and celebrating that shouldn't we well i think so I and mean, i've just helped uh, ollie martins with the appointment of his chief constable and the process was a was an extremely impressive model of uh, the type of uh, you know the type of good practice that ought to be out there about you know meeting the standards properly and and, and a really a really high quality process uh, and would that that was the was the more you know was the was the total story but it certainly isn't unfortunately. Are PCCs working, Peter? Well, uh, if you look at the YouGov polling that was done at the weekend, uh, 15% of the public thought they should be retained and 55% thought they should be abolished and replaced with something called a police authority. Um, that's not pretty good, not, not, a, not a strong indication yet that they've made an impact. And certainly the other part of that was that 2% had noticed a change uh, for the better and 98% hadn't. So they've got, you know, in general, they've got a long way to go. Uh, to prove to prove their worth and the type of you know reluctance and almost resentment that some of the commissioners uh, seem to show to being to putting information into the public domain is just unacceptable. Peter, while we've we've got you on here, I, I, I should probably mention uh, what happened last night in, in uh, Woolwich. I think you were chief constable of Thames Valley Police mm. in 2005 when 77 uh, happened, and you're also a member of the Police Counter Terrorism Board. Yeah. What will be happening now? What's going on behind the scenes? Well, the most important thing is to make sure that all the evidence has been gathered because you've got two individuals uh, who, who are going to face a trial and it's extremely important uh, that, that that trial takes place. I mean, it, the, the, you know, my heart goes out to the family and friends of, of, the, of the young man that was uh, slaughtered yesterday. I mean, this is a, I mean, it's a terrible uh, situation, but the, but the most important thing the police can do for, first off is to make sure that this is, that all the evidence has been gathered, that they've got all the evidence from the witnesses. Of course, it's an unusual case, although having seen the Boston, um, the Boston bomb as well, it's not so unusual now that the, most of the evidence is in the public domain, either via YouTube or the, or the television within, within minutes of the event taking place. How would these chaps have, have slipped through the net? We, we hear the, the um, news that the police and the counter-terrorism units are stopping so many attacks that we don't know about. Would, would these chaps have been monitored, or, or, or would they just have appeared from nowhere? Yeah, I think, the, 
I think the idea that the, that the that even with the amount of effort that goes into uh, to, to counterterrorism, that every single individual can be picked up, particularly those, you know, for example, we've seen a number of uh, events. Notably, there was one where there was a uh, there was an attack in a in a in down in the West Country where the individual had no known connections with anyone else and had simply, effectively, was a was a was a lone wolf linked to the internet. It's, it is very difficult. Uh, for, for the for the security services, uh, the police to be to be aware of absolutely everyone. There is a huge onus on friends, members members of the members of the community, religious leaders, a whole range of people who know uh, of people who appear to be behaving uh, unusually or have made a rapid change in uh, in their behaviour to 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 alert you. I know it's a difficult thing to do, uh, but it's important that people do it because that's probably one of the best ways to find to find these sort of folk. Peter, finally, that, we've been asking this morning the video that was shown on the news last night of, of one of the attackers addressing the camera with bloodied hands. Should that have been shown on television? I, 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 on balance, I think it probably should have been. Uh, I appreciate there was an issue about the timing, but uh, the reality is it's probably better that it's shown uh, by, a, by a, uh, a proper broadcaster as opposed to finding its way immediately uh, onto YouTube and Twitter and, and, and everything else. At least the broadcaster can contextualise it and I think it's important. After all, we watched planes going into the going into the twin towers. We watched the events of the Boston bomb. Uh, you can't any longer keep these events out of the public domain because they're going. They're simply going from a mobile phone straight into the internet. Peter Nerid, I appreciate your time. Former Chief Constable of Thames Valley Police. Well, we're certainly getting our money's worth out of all our guests this morning, aren't we? I think. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Your thoughts on what you saw last night? Should that video have been shown? And are you now a little bit more scared to wander around your town? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Just checking the, che- uh, the trains this morning. I think we're through the worst of the disruption through London. There was a signalling problem earlier. It's all right now. We've got the one cancellation, though. It's the 8.54 Bedford to Brighton service. That's cancelled because the train that should have been providing that service got stuck in London. M1 southbound. Now, there are long delays. There was an accident earlier between Northampton and the Newport Pagnell services, and queues are tailing way back toward the Watford Gap. 40-minute delays coming down toward Milton Keynes. M1 southbound, taking a look at the Luton area. It's looking a little bit better. A5 through Whipsnade, though, still slow down to the M1 at Junction 9. A1 delays at the Black Cat Roundabout and A1M is slow from Stevenage at Junction 8. A1 into London is busy through Boreham Wood. Steppingley Road in Flittick remains closed because of the accident at Froghall Road near to the hospital. The M40 northbound is queuing. A broken down vehicle between Junction 1 for the A40 at the Denham Roundabout and 1A at the M25. And your M25 delays this morning mainly anti-clockwise that start in Essex at the M11, go round to the A1M through the roadworks and then continue from the M1 to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 8.30, news and sport now. Here's Catherine. Across Bay. Hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The headlines, two men have spent the night under arrest in hospital as counter-terrorism police investigate the killing of a serviceman near a military barracks in Woolwich, south-east London. Supporters of the Luton-based English Defence League gathered in Woolwich last night to throw bottles at police. And the Home Affairs Select Committee says police and crime commissioners should be subject to tougher financial checks to avoid what it's calling maverick decision-making. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The Bedford Blues have named winger James Stevenson in their side for tonight's championship playoff final first leg against Newcastle. He'll replace Josh Barrett at Goldington Road tonight and you can follow all the action live on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedford's director of rugby, Mike Rea, says his players have worked hard to come this far. At the core of what we're about here is player, player development and, and, and the, the people mm. uh, uh, you know, within the group. And I just, just enjoy seeing them go out and express themselves. And, um, but mo- as much as that, they work hard for each other. Watford midfielder Nathaniel Chalabar says the mood in the camp is calm ahead of Bank Holiday Monday's championship playoff final against Crystal Palace. Chalabar will play in central midfield at Wembley and is excited at the prospects. There's been a buzz around the place. All the lads are looking forward to it. All the coaching staff are looking forward to it and I think all the fans are looking forward to it as well. I'm really excited. I've been getting little, you know, little images in my head of what it'd be like to win at Wembley and, and um, I think, to be honest, I don't really think it'll be anything that, that should phase anyone. I think it should just be more excited. Golf's PGA Championship in Wentworth's underway with world number two Rory McIlroy teeing off around five minutes ago. Speaking earlier to the BBC, he was feeling good about this year's course. I like the way it's set up this week just because it's a little softer, which is different than uh, previous years here because obviously just the weather hasn't been as good. So um, I think that'll that'll suit me a little bit more. And the course will play long, it'll play soft, and that's uh, it seems to be conditions that I excel in. So you know, hopefully that's the case again this week. And that's your latest news and sport. More from me at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Ian Lee here, here until nine o'clock. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show before JVS, we'll have more on uh, the events last night in Woolwich. And we're talking about swimming. I know. I know. D- two more diverse topics we couldn't get. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. David Cameron will chair a meeting of the government's emergency COBRA committee this morning. He's responded to what's being called a terrorist attack in south-east London, in which a man, believed to have been a serving soldier, was brutally killed. The Prime Minister cut, a short, uh, cut short a visit to Paris last night to return to the UK. I've been briefed by the Home Secretary about this absolutely sickening attack in Woolwich in London. It is the most appalling crime. People across Britain, people in every community, I believe, will utterly condemn this attack. We have had these sorts of attacks before in our country, and we never buckle in the face of them. The attack by two men happened near an army barracks in Woolwich. Witnesses say the men encouraged people to take pictures of them and their victim. One of the attackers, his hands covered in blood, was filmed by a passerby saying he'd carried out the killing because British soldiers were killing Muslims every day. Police opened fire and two men are now under arrest and being treated in hospital. Joe Talent, who was in the area at the time, says the men made no effort to get away. They could have easily got away from that, from the space that the police come. They could have just walked off, gone about their business and then got caught later. But they were just walking around the body like they was wanting the police to come and get it. The Muslim Council of Britain has condemned the attack, as has the Islamic Society of Britain. Its spokesman is in, uh, Imam Ajmal Mazrur. I don't think we want to create an Islamic angle to these idiots. They are thugs, they're criminals, twisted in every way possible. It has nothing to do with Islam. It's everything to do with criminality, and they should be treated as such. Any other suggestion would only be an insult. Well, some time after the attack, supporters of the English Defence League gathered in Woolwich and threw bottles at police officers. The Metropolitan Police Commissioner is Sir Bernard Hogan Howe. We've launched an investigation led by the Counter-Terrorist Command 
and we've made two arrests in relation to that awful crime. We now ask that people obviously give us the opportunity to thoroughly investigate this crime to make sure we get to the bottom of who committed it and why. And we urge that people remain calm during that process. Well, security has been stepped up at military barracks across London and armed forces personnel based in the capital and elsewhere have been told to be more vigilant. I'm really keen to talk to you this morning to get your reaction to what happened. 08459 455 555. We can speak now to Dr Julian Richards, the Deputy Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. Good morning, Julian. Good morning. You've been watching this development. Is this sort of incident possible to predict? Um, well, it, it very much depends whether um, these guys have any connections with with current or previous investigations at all, and, and that you know hopefully some details on that will emerge today or tomorrow. Um, it, if they if they do, then it, it is possible to predict if if the security services are looking at the right people. But of course, if if they don't, and I I have a horrible feeling that may be the case, this could be just a completely out of the blue self started act then, of course, it, it's extremely difficult to predict these things. And, and there's very little that we as a society can do to um, anticipate them, really. The Prime Minister said we've seen this kind of thing before. I, I was surprised by that. Have we? Well, um, in a sense, yeah, uh, uh, there are two things. One, one is that we've seen um, plots to attack British soldiers in the UK. Um, thankfully, up until now, none of them have, have really come to pass. But the other, perhaps more important parallel, is the attack on the MP Stephen Timms in 2010, um, which, which again, was a very unsophisticated attack, but a very sort of out-of-the-blue, um, difficult-to-predict attack. By Remind, that was, the, was, was that when he was um, having a sort of question-and-answer session and someone stabbed him? Was that that case? That's right, yeah, yeah that's right, in 2010. And, and just, you know, pr- pretty much largely came out of the blue. And what's the, the thing that shocked me about this, uh, more than other attacks, is just the, the calmness of the two attackers to have committed this act, be surrounded by people, and to stand there talking to people. That's unusual, isn't it? Yes, it, it is unusual. Um, I mean, in a sense, it's, it's classic terrorism, in the sense that <clears throat> the attack itself was important, but for, for the attackers, the publicity around the attack was very important. They wanted to get a message out. They wanted it to be seen by the the national and the international media. Um, So that was clearly in their calculation. Um, There's also a theory that they wanted to attack the police subsequently, which is why they waited for the police to come, um, because they they could have attacked other members of the public, but they they clearly chose not to do so. So um, it's unusual, but, you know, there there are possible explanations for it. By showing the video of of one of them addressing the camera... Have we played into their hands? Well, in a sense we have, and this is a really interesting question, because what they wanted was maximum publicity. You know, there are now sort of iconic images of these individuals that um, will be beamed around the world, that will be with us for a long time. That's exactly what they wanted. But the question is, you know, in, in a democracy, how can, can you control the media? The media has to report what's happening. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's very difficult to imagine a situation in which you could um, legislate or ask the media not to, not to report certain things. So it's a real conundrum. Broad daylight, controlled, calm act, staying around after it. Does this mark a change in the way terrorists operate? Well, um, we, 
it's it's difficult to say, and that that's obviously um, a lot of what they'll be talking about today in, in the Cobra meeting and, and in the, in the security services. I, I suspect not. I mean, this you know this this is such an unusual type of attack, such a brutal attack. <clears throat> I can't see that um, there would be many instances in which this could happen. But we have seen a shift, and again, that attack on the MP a couple of years ago is an example of shift from more organised, sophisticated attacks to more um, low-level, self-starting, out-of-the-blue type attacks. And I'm afraid, you know, this, this shows that these sorts of things are, are possibly more, more common and more likely now. And what will be happening in the COBRA meeting this morning? What, what will they be discussing? Well, <clears throat> I think the key question is, is whether there's any in- intelligence that um, sheds any light on these individuals. I imagine they, they should by now know who these characters actually are and know the identities of them, I would assume. So they'll be listening. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I'm just keeping an eye on the BBC now, and and Boris Johnson has just gone into the meeting. Who's in there advising them? It can't just be a load of MPs just discussing things. Is there military people in there, terrorist specialists? Yeah, well, there'll there'll be everyone in there that has a a bearing on this incident. And, of course, this is quite complicated, because it's not just about investigating the, the terrorist angle to it. There's also issues about safety of military personnel at, at barracks in London and elsewhere. Um, there's a police issue. There's an issue about um, community tensions. We saw last week that the EDL activity and violence in, in the local area, the police will have to consider, is that something they've got to anticipate and control? So there'll be quite a number of different agencies and bodies involved in these discussions. Uh, Dr Julian Richards, uh, Deputy Director of the Centre for Security and Intelligence Studies at the University of Buckingham. Thank you very much indeed. Stephen's in Letchworth. Stephen, did you uh, see the video that was uh, shown on the news last night? No, I haven't. No, I'm not going to. No, I don't want to. Why not? Because I, I just think it's disgusting. And you're playing straight into his hands. But by showing the video I'm talking about, it, I, I should think that's exactly what this bloke wants, that everyone to know what a, whatever he thinks he is. But what I want to say is it just th- things like this just goes to show how, how humans are. You've got the good side and you've got the bad side. You've got that, that lady who stepped in to try to help the bloke, because unfortunately he was dead, and she calmed the bloke down. She could have saved a bit of trouble. Then on the other hand, you've got those EDL fools who use any excuse. Oh, look, lads, we can go around and kick a few Muslims now because you've got an excuse. Well, I don't know if they've, if they've kicked any Muslims yet. I, I was surprised that's to read in the news they were, they were chucking bottles at the police. I don't, I'm not quite sure if that's accurate, what that would, would achieve. Back, back to the video, Stephen, just for a second. Because it's out there and because news has changed with, with the internet and YouTube, is it, does it make more sense that a responsible news organisation like ITV, like Channel 4, like the BBC, that they show it and contextualise it as opposed to it just floating around on the internet? It's going to get out somehow, isn't it? Yes, it is, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I suppose they can, they can do, yes, and that is a, a way of doing it. There's only one thing I hope. I just hope that the person who's, made, who's taken his video and who's uploaded it or whatever is not making money out of this poor bloke's death. Oh, I, w- I would be really very, be yeah. upset I would if, be, he, if he has. I would be very, very surprised if that gentleman has, has, or, or lady who filmed that has made any money whatsoever, I'm sure. I'm sure they haven't. Uh, Stephen, thank you very much. Dave's from Sundon Park. Morning, Dave. Morning. Well, what, uh, what's Ian? your reaction to, to yesterday's events? 
Well, um, you said it earlier on. Um, when you started talking, you were hesitant to use the T word. Uh, when I saw it, 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 it I, I think it's only been treated as a terror attack because it's been said to be so. It's for me, it's not much more than a lot of what goes on anyway. The honor killings and the gang uh, culture in in Luton that we're suffering at the minute. Um, it, 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 it's sort of being sensationalised and a lot is being um, focused on the uh, perpetrators and not not enough on the victim. I mean, what are the poor uh, family of the victim going through at the minute when, with uh, this incident splashed everywhere? Um, I do wonder, because the, the terrorism word w- was thrown up pretty quickly yesterday and I don't know what constitutes a terrorist attack i don't know is this terrorism because it's 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 two black people uh, talking about allah is is that what makes it terrorist i don't know well that, that seems to be the case that they've said right this is what this, this is what we're saying this is our message so so it's so all of a sudden it becomes a terrorist attack um and then a lot of the, like you you've reported a lot of muslims say it's it's nothing to do with the faith and they don't that that's not one of their beliefs the eye for an eye tooth from a tooth came from the bible mm. that stopped being uh, believed in a long long time ago um and you know it just seems like they've gone out a couple of loonies have got out and just jumped on this guy in the street and used terrorism as an excuse for it um it's, it's, it's not made me anymore. It's not made me terrified of anything. Did you see the video you know? yesterday? <laughs> I did. I what did. did you make of it? Uh, I think um, I think I, th- I think it was um, tame enough to be shown. It, 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 there was no violence in it, which the, was the quite blo- important. The, the bloody hands and the the meat cleaver. See, well, <laughs> I saw the meat cleaver. Yeah. It, it was blurred out this morning. Right. Okay. But um, when I actually saw the weapons, I thought, you know, that's a bit. You know, it's it, it's like watching someone set someone on fire and then stood in front of the smoking corpse. But, mm. you know, it's, um, it, it was right to show it. It, okay. it. it was it was right to show it. It should have been maybe censored a bit when it was shown. OK, Dave, thank you very much uh, I- indeed. I have been hesitant to use the terrorist word because I don't know what constitutes a terrorist attack. Is it because they're black and they said, is they, they talked about Allah? Is that make it terrorist? I don't know. I thought it got bandied around a little bit too freely. Uh, yesterday, well, the, the, on the way to the Cobra meeting, I'm just getting this in, the uh, Mayor of uh, London, Boris Johnson, made a point of saying he thinks it's wrong for people to blame either Islam or British foreign policy. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a very busy morning out there. I'll try and give you the whole picture. The A1 southbound slow at the Black Cat roundabout. A1M has queues from Hitchin through to Stevenage and the A1 into London busy. Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Long delays on the M1, mainly from the Newport Pagnell area back up at the M1. So it's turning back to the Watford Gap services. So if people are stuck in that coming down toward Milton Keynes, there was an accident earlier, left some debris on the road between Northampton and Newport Pagnell. Bromham Road in Bedford's looking slow this morning around the Ashburnham Road. Houghton Road into Houghton Regis is slow moving at Bedford Square. Delays through Stevenage on the A602, through only southbound on the A509. There's queues between Lavenden Road and Weston Road. Hartford, it's busy on the A414, and it's also looking slow on the A414 toward the M1 at Hemel Hempstead, Junction 7. A41 in Aylesbury, slow moving at the Woodlands Roundabout. Lot of traffic in High Wycombe. The A404 is very heavy, as is the A40. Steppingley Road in Flittick, I'm afraid, is still closed because of the accident at Froghall Road near to the Steppingley Hospital. 
And on the M25, we have delays anti-clockwise from the M11 through to the A1M, also from the M1 round to the M40, that latter bit taking around 50 minutes to an hour to get through. And callers have suggested that there's been an accident between Junction 17 and 16, blocking the outside lane as well, while clockwise looks slow into the roadworks from London Coney through to Potter's Bar. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thanks very much. Right, it's 8.47, it's Thursday the 23rd of May. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Two men have spent the night under arrest in hospital as counter-terrorism police investigate the killing of a serviceman near a military barracks in Woolwich in south-east London. Supporters of the Luton-based English Defence League gathered in Woolwich last night and threw bottles at police. In sport, Wasps wing Christian Wade capped off a wonderful season last night. Here we go. Becoming the first player to win both the Players' Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year at the Rugby Players Association Awards. Coming up before nine o'clock, schools are failing in their duty to teach kids how to swim. Well, that's a uh, report, according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. But is it down to schools? Whose responsibility is it to teach your children to swim? Before that, let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Well, many places across the three counties are dry at the moment. We've got some showers just pushing down into Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. We'll see those showers continue through the rest of the day too, um, with some showers just about everywhere, even across Buckinghamshire. As we head into the afternoon, it's also going to turn much cloudier as well. It's feeling cool today, blustery as well in that northwesterly. Temperatures only up to between 8 and 10 degrees Celsius in Stevenage, Luton and in Ellsbury and Milton Keynes as well. It's 50 in Fahrenheit. It's certainly a lot cooler than it has been. As we head into this evening, the showers are going to continue. And then overnight tonight, we're keeping that blustery wind. It will be dry for a time before we see more showery rain into tomorrow morning's rush hour. Temperatures overnight down to between 4 and 6 degrees. Too windy, really, for any type of frost to form. But it is going to be a cold night. And then tomorrow, cold, wet and windy. All in all, rather miserable. But happily, it is looking up for the weekend. Saturday and Sunday will probably be dry. And we'll see a much lighter winds with some spells of sunshine but expect the rain to make an unwelcome return again on Bank Holiday Monday. That's the forecast. Yeah. Bank Holiday Monday on BBC Three Counties Radio. From six. Ian Lee. I'll be looking at the news of the day and talking about Watford's chances in that all-important championship playoff final. From nine. Tim Wheeler. Yes, I'll be here with all the day's top stories, plus some cracking guests, a little bit of news, a little bit of nonsense. From twelve. Three Counties Sport. We'll be live at Wembley for the build-up, inside and outside the stadium, and then, of course, commentary at three o'clock. Bank Holiday Monday on BBC Three Counties Radio. Schools are failing to teach children to swim, according to a report by the Amateur Swimming Association. Speaking to parents, it found that more than half of the children, age, oh, sorry, more than half of children aged seven to eleven in Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire can't swim twenty-five metres unaided. Well, earlier our reporter Sophie Solaria spoke to some parents in Dunstable and asked them who's responsible for teaching children to swim: the school. Or the parents? Parents, obviously. Like to teach them everything else in life. Did you send your kiddies to learn to swim? No, I learnt them. You taught them how to swim? Yeah. How did you do that? Getting in the pool with them and showing them how to swim. How important is that? Very important for them, especially when you're going to the sea resorts. 
so they know how to manage the water themselves. Would it surprise you to hear that half of seven-year-olds don't know how to swim? I think that's disgusting. Really? Parents should take them to the swimming pools or book them lessons. Should do anyway. Yeah, I think it's very important. It helps with their flexibility and their awareness and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. We've got our girls into swimming since they were two and a half to three years ago. But confidence-wise, I think some children just take to water, some don't. Can I ask whose responsibility is it to teach a child how to swim? Parents, parents if they know how to swim. If they know, yeah. And if they don't, like he does, but I don't. So I used to take them to lessons. And like, you don't know how to swim? No. How old are you? 37 this year. Does that not worry you that you can't does, swim? Yeah. Why can't you swim? Um, well, I was born and brought up in India. So where I came from, swimming wasn't really, you know, we didn't have so many swimming pools and things. So I do get into the water now with them, but I'm really terrified of going. Is yeah. that why you're so keen to teach your yes, children? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm joined now by an all-round swimming legend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Duncan Goodhue. Good morning, Duncan. Good morning, Ian. What, what did you think? It's, it's an honour to talk to you, sir. What did you think uh, to this survey about the 7 to 11-year-olds? More than half of them can't swim 25 metres. Well, it's, it's quite, quite horrifying, really, isn't it? Um, and, but, but somehow it doesn't surprise me, because over the years, I think swimming has become less and less of a priority for schools, as, you know, examinations and uh, scores on on Ofsted, etc., have become more important. And as swimming is left out of Ofsted's report on how good the, well the school's doing, and there's no you know, dedicated funding to swimming, it's not surprising. Is it the school's responsibility? I had swimming lessons at school when I was about nine, but I could swim way before that because my parents made a habit of taking me. Well, I, I think uh, for, for most parents, a lot of parents, they'd say it's very important. Now, whether or not they can either find the resources to do it or the time to do it yep. or get organised is another matter. So, um, yeah, I do think it's a great thing for a parent to do with a child, I mean, to go swimming. And, and that was, uh, in fact, something that was historically what happened in this country. Dad took children uh, away on a Saturday morning to go swimming. Yep. And, and people did that in their droves. You're right. It's, it, it can be. Some of these pools are very expensive nowadays, aren't they? Well, it, it's uh, you know with uh, with energy costs and everything, it, it, it is getting more expensive. Well, how but long it, but for, as, as an entertainment, you go to a pool and you can stay there for a long period of time. And if you p- compare that with other things you might do with your money, uh, it is quite good value. But it, nonetheless, if you've got a child who needs a lot of uh, a lot of time in the water and lessons then it does add up. The final question, Duncan, how did you get into swimming? At what age? Um, well, I, I, I was very fortunate. I had, I had some water in the back garden. My father uh, built a DIY pool in oh, the really? back garden. And I spent a lot of time. But I had flippers on until I was seven, and it was a, uh, it was a, a, a PE class where they took, you know, they surgically removed the flippers and taught me how to swim around seven or eight years old. And I think that's, that's the whole thing about the drive here, is saying, look, you know, lots of people will take the responsibility and they will teach uh, kids how to swim. But equally, the figures show that many don't. In fact, over half don't. And um, the only place where anybody can get to swim is at school. And in 2011, 47 children drowned, sadly. Wow. 
Um, and it, that's just a, a very uh, sobering thought. Well, that shows us how important it is for, for everyone to learn. Duncan Goodhue, it's, it's, it's a genuine honour to talk to you. Thank you very much. On, a, on another Newsday, we'd have been able to speak a lot longer, but... We have to uh, look back at the events yesterday in Woolwich. Marguerite is in Sharnbrook. Good morning, Marguerite. Good morning. What, what do you think about the uh, the video that was shown on the news? Should it have um, been shown on the news? I didn't actually see it on the news because I have a young child, right. so I wouldn't have the news on during the day anyhow for a start. Um, this is the point I'm calling about. Um, I did see it actually on, on um, the news on my iPad away from her. Um, and I'm very saddened by it, and it's very upsetting oh, to it's, watch. It's um, How old is your, your child? She's four. Four. So obviously... I don't have the news on for her ever. I don't ever have the news on in the house. The television's not on a lot anyhow, but generally children shouldn't be watching mainstream news whatever time it's on. It's aimed at adults. It's the news. Um, they should, If they want to watch the news, they can watch news round. They're small children. We should shield them from this. So for parents to be cross that, that their children were able to see this yesterday, they're at fault for not supervising what their children watch. You can't have a mainstream adult news on. Uh, you can't prepare for what's going to be shown. Children should not be watching the news whatsoever. I, I'm, <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to work out how I feel mm. about that. I'm not sure if yeah. I agree or disagree, because it's something mm. I'd not particularly considered. There, mm. there has to be something in, uh, in children being aware of what's going on in the world. Mm. Does, does your daughter know who the... Uh, is it a daughter, sorry? Yes. Does she know who the Prime Minister is? She does, actually. She, so she knows, does she know because who the, the President is? Yes, she does, because okay. we've got family in America and we right. teach her think different things. She does little things and they talk about things. But um, she, she, she'll, there's news around for her when she's older. And yeah. there are also children's newspapers, which people probably don't know about those because they're not on the general stand. No, there are a few of them around, yeah. yes. Um, but I just think, depending on the child... Especially very young children. I mean, I don't know what age I would let her start watching it. I'm not, I don't know. She's my only child. But I just think they need to be shielded. They're children. We need to shield them. They're growing up too fast as it is. We can't, they don't understand. They don't have the concept at such a young age. They'd be scared. There's lots of wars going on around the country, a lot of unrest. You know, there's lots of very sad, upsetting things that happen every day in the world. Yeah. Big things that are not really... Uh, uh, ch- some ch- small children they're not ready for you they don't need to be showing that they need to be enjoying their childhood not worrying about what's on the news oh, it's think. an interesting point I, I, and I'm, I, I'm slightly stunned because I'm trying to work out what I think about that we, we were trying to find a CBeebies programme yesterday and it was on the news channel and so in the tiny little box in the right hand corner of the screen there's, there's a policeman giving a statement outside Woolwich Police Station or wherever he was and I was desperately talking quite loudly because I didn't want to hear my, my boy to hear terrorist, murder. I didn't want to hear those words. So I was talking over it. I don't know. I have a definition of terrorism here. Uh, this is taken from a document that was presented to Parliament in 2007. It's considered a terrorist act if it involves serious violence against a person. It's designed to influence the government or international government organisation or to intimidate the public. It's made for the purpose of advancing a political, religious or ideological cause. It was terrorism then. Yeah, but that's, that's cleared that up. I won't feel so shy about using the T word. Uh, a couple of quick, t- quick texts. Uh, Andy says, if we live by an eye for an eye, like the Bible said, we'd all end up blind. And uh, Billy and Milton Keynes, the horrific video had to be shown, if for no other reason than to silence the do-gooders 
who will try to reduce the revulsion against the animals that committed this act. Uh, Anessa, it's a very long text, so let me just try and sub it down. I don't know what time it was shown, but some children are watching TV when parents are busying themselves, so a warning would have not uh, sufficed. It should not have been shown, firstly for the respect of the victim's family, but also as the publicity was what the murderer wanted and now has, bringing his cause to the limelight. It goes on a bit, Esther, but I I hope I've managed to convey uh, the main thrust of your message. Right. Oh, look at the time. It's uh, time for uh, a little bit of Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still delays on the A1 southbound toward the Black Cat roundabout that started around St Neots. The A1M is slow from Hitchin through to Stevenage Junction 8 to 7 and the A1 in Edgware as you come into London. There are queues from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Still problems with the M1 southbound. It's mainly as you come down toward Milton Keynes. Uh, queuing traffic from the Watford Gap services down to Northampton essentially after an accident just to the south of Junction 15. Bromham Road in Bedford on the eastbound side it's looking slow between the Branston Way and Ashburnham Road Houghton Regis there's slow moving traffic at Bedford Square and some delays in Stevenage on the A602 this morning A509 in Olney, slow moving between Lavenden Road and Weston Road. Gascoigne Way in Hartford, we've got a queue along the A414 at Ware Road and slow moving on the A414 in Hemel as well toward the M1 at Junction 7. Aylesbury slow on the A41, High Wycombe, various routes looking busy including the A40 and the A404. We had the accident in Flittick, still unfortunately Steppingley Road is closed because of an accident at Froghall Road. And the M25 delays start in Essex this morning, run through toward the A1M and it stops start from Watford to the M40 as well. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. That's it, that's your lot. Back tomorrow at six. We'll have Nanny Island and some live music to cheer you up a bit. JVS up next. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Coming up today... I, I apologise that we-